uh, when you're ready to start paying attention to our podcast, finally you can do that. I mean, I've never given it more than like 30% attention. So did you say something? I said I've never given this podcast more than 30% of my, my attention. I actually resent it. Totally. Everything. All the viewers. Um, you. I just, I just wish we were reading Empire's End again. I loved it so much. Yeah. I'm just going to read Empire's End. Probably. Oh, we're, we're live, Corey. You oh, didn't tell shit. me. I was saying all these terrible things about our loving supporters. <laughs> all right. <laughs> Hello there, How's everyone, and welcome. Oh, what? Just restart it. Did, no, did, I was, did I was you have something to say? Some, I was just going to do some small talk. You have a Corey Loser shirt on right now? I do, actually. It's can a terrible shirt. Uh, I can shift up a bit. It's it's not great. I took it off of the Teespring, or I think it's Teespring store. I took everything off the Teespring store because I got this and the sweater and I wasn't thrilled with them. So maybe someday. That's but, more integrity than I have. Congratulations. Well, I also have my Eckhart's Ladder shirt that's been featured on at least two or three episodes of Tapcast Transmissions. And how do you feel about that one? Uh, I actually really like that one. I got the same material. I think it's just yours is like the smaller lettering, so it goes on mm. better. Because yeah. with this, the problem, I don't think it's anyone so can big, see it. It's... It's, there's like white outlines to all of it that isn't intended to be there. Yeah. Because it, I wasn't sure how they actually did it, and it wasn't, mm -hmm. yeah. But anyways, hello there, everyone. And welcome to another installation of Tapcalf Transmissions, our Star Wars book club podcast, where we have so far been talking about I guess we can't even say we've just talked about legend stuff because we did do the Rise of Skywalker episode, but we don't That's count right. that in the numbering of the episode. So we're actually one episode ahead of where we say we are. And from what I've heard on certain platforms, that's been replaced with like a second discussion of like the Krytos trap or something. No, it was the other way around where our back to <laughs> okay. war, the back to war episode was, thank you for bringing this up actually. The back to war episode was uh, replaced with the Rise of Skywalker episode. So there was two of those. Uh, but I have fixed it, and now the back door is back up. So if you want to go back to the back door, uh, the back door is now open for people to download if you're interested in the back door. Oh, God, I hate this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, so uh, thank you to people who have been super chatting because we do this as a podcast. Uh, I usually don't directly respond to those while the podcast is going on, or Justin usually doesn't. <laughs> I've never gotten a donation during the podcast before, so this is all very exciting for me. But after our last few episodes on the uh, Dark Empire and Empire's End comic books, we are back to the regular papery books uh, mm. where we are going to be talking about Jedi Search this episode, uh, book one of the Jedi Academy trilogy. So the next two episodes will be about uh, Dark Apprentice and Champions of the Force. Uh, this is set pretty much right after... Uh, Dark Empire. There were some questions about whether we were going to do mm -hmm. Ice Arch Revenge because that is set before these and before Dark Empire. Uh, we are going to be looping back to those at some point. We just want to uh, keep some of those ones uh, in our in our back pocket next to the back door. So right, uh, yeah, we'd like to go back to X Wing at some point. Maybe we'll do like Ice Arch Revenge, some of the other standalone X Wing books yeah. or something. Because there's like um, that, there's Tatooine Ghost, there's a bunch of post-Endor books that are yeah. more standalone. Uh, but between yeah. uh, Starfighters, Vadimar, Isar's Revenge, Jedi, we've got three more of those uh, pre-Vong War 
X-Wing-ish books. So Yes. I'm excited for iJedi. Um, yeah. I picked up a nice... I showed you this, but I... Mm-hmm. The uh, one of my local bookstores gets like a new inventory of Star Wars Legends books like on a monthly basis. So I picked up um, I didn't have a copy of Jedi Search or uh, a book copy, at least not a new one. Um, so I picked up a new copy of Jedi Search. The first book I've actually read, I think, non digitally because all my other ones I read on a Kindle. And isn't this the first one for the that podcast you've read on or ever? for the podcast i didn't actually read this on kindle i bought my kindle after i'd already started reading the paper copy so i stuck with that but i did start reading i jedi on my kindle Mm -hmm. yesterday uh that's long why'd you do that just yeah why'd you do that why did i start reading i jedi Jedi. yeah because it's long long af well there was something i needed for a video oh did that not upgrade uh yeah there was something i needed for a video Mm-hmm. And then I just started reading it. Why is this mm-hmm. wrong? Oh, I think that's why. But okay, yeah, was, that should be correct now. Sorry. But uh, I, yeah, did you get a, a hard a hardcover copy as well? Um, uh, no, I'm not cool enough to get a hardcover copy of Jedi oh, yeah, Search. Okay. So, no, sorry, I Jedi. Oh, oh no, no, you said you were reading that on your. I'm reading Kindle. that on my Kindle. I don't think I actually. I might have a paper copy of I Jedi, but. Uh, oh yeah, I'm looking at it right here. now. It's it's right there. Uh, so we, yes, yeah, so welcome to Corey and Justin's <laughs> Corey and Justin's inventory of Star Wars paperback and hardcover books. Dude, I would listen to the, I would listen to a podcast about like. Did you Star watch Wars the video movies. I did where I was un unbagging? I did. My, yeah. Okay. So I, enjoyed I, that. I was going to call you out for lying there, but I guess uh, you showed me. Well, I said podcast as well, and I said listen. Yeah, but that was like a a test run for for that okay so, yeah so anything you want to talk about before we get into the book um there's been a few more episodes of clone wars there's been i mean the rise of skywalker right novelization uh, yeah rise of skywalker novelization um we did get know, a question about that as well but i don't know if we're gonna potentially do an episode just on that book so maybe we'll hold off any conversation uh, on that I don't think it's worth it. I read it. To be honest, I don't think it's worth the whole episode. It's not like it's not like uh, Revenge of the Sith level or anything. It's yeah. pretty short. Like it's it's under three hundred pages. We could eventually do something that's more like a general discussion on the movie novelizations. Yeah, that would be cool. Other than Although, I think Revenge of the Sith deserves its own yeah. episode. Yeah, but that um, with Labyrinth of Evil at the same time would be good. But yes, agreed. We can then we can move into some of like the the dark lord and whatever else like lots of good books in that in that area um but yeah have you been watching clone wars i have uh i think we talked about it a bit last time where this what the general arc is right now isn't something that i Mm. like as much Uh, i'm really looking forward to some of the later parts of it Mm -hmm. uh but like i enjoy the episodes for what they are it's just the the style of it isn't right what i'm really looking forward to Mm -hmm. because i don't like the clone drama wasn't or the bad batch that particular i don't like the bad batch Mm. and the echo five that whole arc slash whatever grouping was never as interesting to me either those characters domino squad yeah yeah okay did we talk about um i can't remember if we talked about project luminous or the high republic last episode no i don't think it had been announced no, it hadn't because you're right. So any 
I'll give a basic kind of overview. Um, what was called Project Luminous has been revealed to be called The High Republic. It's basically a Star Wars multimedia project, kind of akin to like Shadows of the Empire or The Force Unleashed or something like that. Right now, we know that we, we only know of comics and novels. Um, but I assume if it does well, or maybe that they're already in the works, that we might get perhaps a TV show or a movie. I'd say that those are more unlikely than something like a video game. Um, I don't know, because there's always been uh, kind of rumblings of Knights of the Old Republic getting a sequel or a remake that seem to have been more official mm -hmm. than... I've talked to some people who think that there's already um, High Republic video game in the works. Well, there was the former Respawn guy who was moved to another company mm -hmm. um, where he basically confirmed Respawn was already working on another game which is presumed to be uh, Fallen Order 2 but mm -hmm. who knows if it's going to be like continuation of Cal's story or if they go and have kind of the same concept in another time period because right. uh, High Republic might be an option for that as well yeah for sure um, so we don't really know a whole lot about kind of the plot of the High Republic. It'll probably be interesting to cover um, once they start releasing novels on the podcast. I imagine we might do something with that. But we know it's set, what is it, 200 years before The Phantom Menace? Yeah. Um, it's kind of like the, the... Is it 200 years before Halcyon. The Phantom Menace or 200 years before Yavin? It's not it's really before Phantom Menace, I think. distinction, but... Well, 30 years is pretty big. I, th I think it's 30 years. I think it's 200 before The Phantom Menace. Hmm. I'm pretty well, sure. I assume the, all this stuff coming out is probably going to cover a few years anyways mm -hmm. in that period. So, Right. Um, but yeah, it's kind of in a halcyon age of Jedi, which to me is weird because it's it's hard to imagine that the Jedi... I don't know if you agreed, but in my video I did, I kind of talked about how it felt like the timeline's being a little too condensed now, given how like old you'd think the Republic and the Jedi would be, the fact that they've declined so much in 200 years. Um, so I kind of wish that they had pushed it back a little bit. Um, I'm not sure how much they can do in 200 years. Like, like how do they do a major, like, galaxy-changing event that, you know, we don't hear referenced in the yeah. Clone Wars or the prequels or anything? That's going to be the hardest part, I think. Yeah, like, my concern there is that we know that the thousand years before the Clone Wars was basically peaceful and kind of boring. Mm -hmm. So... Like, that's pretty explicitly stated. Right. I don't think the compressed amount of time is the problem so much as that. Like, even if it's something that didn't come up in the prequels, that's something we've always dealt with with Star Wars, where it's like, mm -hmm. okay, we know the whole story isn't fleshed out, so if something comes up, yeah. fine. Because, like, the, the time between even legacy comics and the Clone Wars is just under 200 years. Because, like, 134 ABY. That is for true. So that's 160 years total. And there's mm -hmm. a lot that changes. Like you have the entire Clone Wars, the entire Four history of the Empire, basically. the New Republic, Yuuzhan Vong War happens, Darkness Crisis mm -hmm. happens, then Legacy of the Force and Fate of the Jedi happens. Then there's like 60 years where we don't know what happens, but we know something has to happen because the the whole, like half the galaxy is under the Corellian faction and then it's not anymore. So mm -hmm. a lot can happen. It's just, this is a period where we've explicitly been told right. uh you don't really get that and where we know the outcome, which is another thing. Yeah. One of the weird things for me too, is like, I feel like they're going to go for like a difference in aesthetics as well. Like just looking at it, like the Jedi look very different 
like almost medieval, I guess. Yeah. Um, so it, it is different than like Knights of the Old Republic, where that's four thousand years earlier, and like there is clear technological difference. But I, I think it's going to be more drastic, perhaps two hundred years earlier. Um, then, like, I, I think this 200 years might see a more drastic technological change than the 4,000 years between the Old Republic and, uh, or sorry, KOTOR and the other canon in Legend. So it's going to be kind of weird because that really kind of shifts how the timeline is. Yeah. If that makes sense. And I guess kind of the counterpoint to some of the stuff about it, nothing really mm-hmm. happening is that it doesn't have to be a galactic scale war. You can still have smaller, more local things. And I think. Even though the Mandalorian, for example, takes place in the context of mm-hmm. the Empire collapsing everything, but that show has kind of been focused on just more character-related goals rather mm-hmm. than necessarily having to be part of a Galactic War. But then there's the whole Nil thing. But yeah, we'll have to see. And so the Nil seems to be... It, it's not a race, right? It's more like a collection, oh, is it? Kind of Cause, thing, yeah. Because I saw like... I think I saw like... I can't remember what the alien race was, but familiar aliens within it, right? So it's kind of like a, and there's some sort of grant or some sort of big event or cataclysm, which which kind of seemed interesting. Um, so I think there's a potential there. I'm a little disappointed that they didn't go full um, multimedia project and announce a video game as well, even if there is one that comes later. Um, I don't know. The new canon books haven't quite. Um, got my attention yet like the like legends and admittedly this is one of their first major chances to do so because they're kind of working new territory um, which is nice but yeah I think I would have been more excited personally if they had announced a video game or or something yeah I Um, feel like a a video game at this point would be far enough away that it'd be probably more damaging than anything to announce a video game now because right Anything that they might be planning was probably contingent on the success of Fallen Order, kind of seeing how that mm-hmm. goes. And so, well, they might have had some like pre-production going on. If you announce anything too specific now, then it's just such a huge lead-up time mm-hmm. that if so, I guess then the other option would have been to yeah. wait because it is it is. I was surprised, honestly, that Luminous was being announced so soon after episode nine. So I guess they could have waited a year, but I guess they kind of wanted to fill the void pretty quickly. Yeah, I think they just want to make sure people are aware that there is still more coming, even though nine Mm -hmm. is out that it's probably what the logic there is. Mm Because I mean, even with uh, if you look at the Marvel cinematic universe, even though people knew there was going to be phase four, uh, It was a lot calmer after the Infinity Chron what what is it called Infinity Chronicles saga whatever uh, when the last <laughs> Avengers movie came out yeah then there hasn't really been much to go on but you still knew yeah more well, Spider-Man was happening but more they kind of Black Widow was happening yeah but and I think that kind of makes sense because but the the, the difference there I would argue is they they kind of filled the gap with like standalone stories like i haven't seen it but far from home i, I think is fairly standalone um and then they've got like the black widow movie so i kind of wonder why they didn't or i guess what i'm saying is an alternative would have been rely on maybe the new zon trilogy 
um, rely on other kind of one-off stories maybe to fill the gap. And then when you're ready for this big new canon launch, maybe then you can bring in a video game and stuff with stuff in between. But I don't know. It, it's kind of an academic discussion anyway at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. All right, so do you want to get into uh, some Jedi searching? Nothing else you want to talk about? You don't want to announce the update for uh, for your mods? Uh, I no, no. Okay, Father Republic zero point six came out, and that's uh, that's it. Mm-hmm. Okay, uh, yeah. Let's talk about let's talk about Jedi Search. Um, I really like this book. I'm going to say right off the bat. I was, yeah, me too. I I really really enjoyed reading it. Like almost to the degree that I enjoyed reading the X-Wing books and more at certain points. I don't know if it quite got up to X-Wing books for me, mm-hmm. but uh, I definitely really liked it. Uh, there's only one section that stood out to me as being unentertaining. And mm-hmm. like I actually went into these books rem- like having bad memories of them mm-hmm. or just thinking that I didn't really enjoy them that much the first time and kind of dreading... <laughs> getting yeah. back into the stuff with like the castle mines and everything. But then I even really enjoyed that. So I was mm. pleasantly surprised. And I remember liking the, the next two books a lot more when I read them the first time. Uh, mm-hmm. So I'm really looking forward to that now too. Yeah. For me, it's like in my mind, these books were sharing a lot of real estate with the Callista trilogy, which mm-hmm. is more um, Kevin. Well, not, I think one Kevin J Anderson book in there, but, also features Dala and comes yeah. out right after these. Um, and those, I think, are a lot lesser quality than these three books. Um, but yeah, I, I, I kind of felt the same way. I was like, well, sometimes Kevin J. Anderson does get crapped on by Legends fans, and not everyone likes these books. But to me, they're very... Uh, almost in the same way that Courtship of Princess Leia was. They're very light in a way, Um you know, terrible things are happening, but they're very easy to read books. They're kind of adventures. Uh, I think they do a good job bringing all the characters in. Yeah, maybe it's a little excessive for, you know, Lando to have to feature so heavily in the story or whatever else. Um, but they do a good job writing the characters. I think the the story of going to Kessel is pretty unique. I think they bring in the Imperial faction in this book in kind of a fun way. Um, so overall... Right now, anyway, um, yeah, I'm pretty, pretty impressed. Yeah, if I had to like compare it to anything or another author, like you can kind of break it up into the Bantam period and the Del Rey period. And I think yeah. uh, Kevin Anderson is kind of like the Bantam period's James Luceno, even though he does obviously stay yeah, involved. Yeah, for sure. Uh, but just the the way the references are made, but it's still the more uh, kind of strange Bantam style that, mm. like the Thrawn trilogy. I guess even the Thrawn trilogy has that kind of style, but it it feels a lot more like Trisha Bakura, Court of Princess Leia, than the grittier, almost more realistic style that Del Rey ended up going into with New Jedi Order. Right. Or darker, yeah. not necessarily more realistic. but Yeah, and I mean, I was actually surprised at how well this drew on information from other books. Um, like I didn't remember there being so many overt references to like what happens in Dark Empire and the Thrawn trilogy. Yeah, I mean we even get references to Courtship of Princess Leia, and that book hadn't even been released yet, mm-hmm. um, which is pretty cool. It's really the only reference really relates to Han gambling for a planet. I don't know if that was hinted at somewhere else earlier. No, I don't 
No, but um, well, it's definitely talking about like it's definitely pulling that stuff directly from courtship yeah. because it does reference the uh, like Luke wants to include the Night Sisters from Dathomir as some of his first. Oh students. yeah, it does mention that. I think. And I think it's also called out with the Rancor uh, in the cell. Oh yeah, you're right. Which um, very weird to imprison a non-sapient well, being. Well, you, you cage animals sometimes. Like I think that's just what it was. But the, a prison, yeah. Fair enough. Well, you're not just going to build a separate set of cages when you have a perfectly suitable cage for your Rancor. Like, why don't you just kill the Rancor? Well, they kind of did. I think they <laughs> wanted to feed the other Imperials to it. Was there? Their yeah, deal? but the Rancor was imprisoned by the Empire. So, like, oh, so you're saying the Empire? Yeah, I was still thinking about the yeah the next people. Yeah, I don't know why the Empire really wanted it, but yeah. yeah. But, but yeah, there's, I mean, it, we get a lot of dark, most things ignore dark empire, but we get references to like Coruscant throughout this whole book is basically being repaired because it got ravaged at the beginning of dark empire one. Um, we get references to like Cam Solusar. We get just lots of talk about Luke falling to the dark side and becoming basically the new Darth Vader. But we also get references to Thrawn. Uh, we talk about, we you know, there's characters from both series. Um, we get Garmbeliblis in this book. We get lots of winter. Um, we get mention of dreadnoughts, and it's really well done. I mean, it's not like there was too much to draw off of here, but I think Kevin uh, J. Anderson really references every well, all the main books. Not necessarily, I guess. I think Jedi Prince had started being released by this point. Um, so he doesn't reference anything from there that I picked up on, but, uh, even like the Cyruvi get name dropped two or three times. Yep. Um, and yeah, I'm, I'm curious to see whether he kind of continues this in the, the subsequent novels. Yeah. The, um, one of the I'm interesting sure things with the, the Cyruvi is that, uh, and I'm going to forget to bring it up later. So I do want to make sure we mention it mm -hmm. now. Is that when Dala is kind of seeing the state of the galaxy? Yeah, uh, they do mention the Sea Ruby even now. About uh, this would be seven years after Trusipakura. They mention like still Empire, ongoing yeah. war. We kind of get the mention of that in the X Wing series that they're yeah. mopping up against the Sea Ruby, yeah. and they have more territory. Like they, it's implied here, just the way it's worded, that they have more territory than the Empire does, uh, that they mm -hmm. even know about. So mm -hmm. that's I. I do like that there's all this stuff going on in the background. I just wish we would have seen maybe a bit more of the Ceruvi at some point. Yeah. I mean, yeah, we only get them really again uh, in NJO for one yeah. book. And it's not super satisfying. No. Uh, but one other yeah. reference with Dark Empire that uh, I was kind of thinking about is with all the... We talked about it a bit with Dark Empire and the Thrawn trilogy with all the competition that was kind of going on between Dark Horse and Bantam authors mm -hmm. and how like... Timothy Zahn wanted to just kind of ignore Dark Empire. So they're like, okay, you can do that, but just write your books before it. Uh, mm -hmm. Like, is there a chance that if Kevin Anderson hadn't done something like Jedi Search, that Anakin Diverted. Solo just would yeah. not have been a character? Yeah, I definitely think it's possible. I was thinking about that too. Um, because he's really, I mean, he's written out of the story in a way, but he's also like distinctly included. Like mm -hmm. they mention him at every point. Uh, and yeah, I, even more than that, there's a chance that like, I mean, most elements of Dark Empire were ignored, but um, 
yeah, like without kind of a nice connecting book like this, the canon could have diverged even more than it ended up uh, doing. And yeah. that it would have been harmful in the end, especially where, you know, we do get cool elements from Dark Empire, like, you know, Anakin is the main one, I would say. Um, and I guess this is Cam Solisar, yeah. <laughs> the E-Wing. <laughs> Thank God you weren't in that when it blew up. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Uh, other than that, though, but, but I mean, Anakin is huge, and he's, you know, he ends up being the catalyst for much of what happens in the, the Del Rey era, so. Yeah. And like I, I just want to make sure that we like it, it seems like of course they wouldn't ignore something that happened in the other property, but I don't want to sleep on the yeah. fact that like there's <laughs> it's not it's not a given that different stuff made under the same licenses by people who hold the license that are different companies. Like mm-hmm. it's not a given that they'd include stuff together, and it's not really until uh, the Holocron in like nineteen ninety nine two thousand where there was like an active attempt to. Uh, reconcile all these different parts of star wars like marvel in particular particular Mm -hmm. was very different from what would come later and the idea that it had to work towards this bigger universe isn't a given yeah uh yeah i mean we do start to see some with like like mara jade is included in um dark forces i think or the expansion um and we see i guess that that's like a lucas arts thing we do see some like video game crossover, but a lot of it's just like, and another thing that this book really does is it, it draws a lot from old, uh, like, like the Imperial source book, for example, there's a lot from the Imperial source book in here. Uh, what's one example. I wrote one down. Um, uh, I can't remember there's something from the, there's lots from the Imperial source book. I think a lot of the Bespin stuff comes from the uh, Bespin and Yavin source book that came out. Mm. Um, And yeah, it's just very clear that, like you said, I I think your comparison was was the James Luceno comparison is really good because even if you don't like Kevin Anderson's story, and it is less universally liked than most of what James Luceno um, writes, you got to at least appreciate the degree to which the canon is integrated. I think I think is what we're both kind of yeah because like it could have been just as easily that uh, sure some characters go back and forth but ultimately Star Wars is just a collection of stories within the same universe rather than a collected mm-hmm. canon of shared like where yeah, it is exactly. a continuity and uh, I think if I think the approach that even authors like Timothy Zahn was especially taking was that he wanted to tell his story within the universe rather than have mm-hmm. his story be part of the universe necessarily. Yeah. Uh, or have the universe be part of his story. And I think between like the thing that really pushed it towards being the kind of continuity that at least I like that makes me as interested in Star Wars as I am. A lot of that is thanks to the RPG source books and mm-hmm. specific authors like uh, Kevin Anderson and James Lucino kind of pushing that direction. Yeah. I mean, if you think about it without books like this, um, Dala could have been, you know, they, they could have just left her in this trilogy, which would have been a good thing. <laughs> I'm joking. But like Mara Jade, for example, is, you know, name dropped a lot here. And basically, Kevin J. Anderson guarantees essentially that she's going to continue being in stories because you know that Luke's attempting to get her to join um, to join the Academy. 
because uh, you're right. W- without if it had been more kind of insular, then maybe Mara Jade only would have been a character when Timothy Zahn was writing books. Um, and I mean, maybe Timothy Zahn would have liked that because I think he liked to control uh, the characters that he created, and I, I don't blame him. But um, it, it's it is fairly impressive how how the Bantam era did manage to kind of keep everything close together. And then the Del Rey era does so even more um, with a more consistent narrative between uh, series and whatnot in between authors. Okay. I just disappeared for a second to check the release dates of the Corellian trilogy. And that was the year after this because we have like swashbuckling Mara Jade. <laughs> in that. Yeah. Which is something. Yeah, it's kind of funny too because to me the Corellian trilogy feels so far like they really were pumping out a lot of books um, every year at this point. Like I'm pretty sure this was '95. I think this book came out. They did all three books plus I think the Crystal Star and maybe book one of Callista. Yeah, um, Jedi Search is at least '94. Uh, Corellian trilogy is '95 because I think Corellian trilogy was written within the space of three months. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, Roger McBride was on a train, essentially. <laughs> uh, like his foreword to that book is basically talking about, wow, I really pumped this shit out, didn't I? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, here's, here's what we have for 94, just for reference. We've got Truce of Bakura in January, Jedi Search in March, Courtship in April, Dark Apprentice, which is book two of this series in July, Champions of the Force, which is book three in October, then Crystal Star ending it strong in December. Um, and then you only have to wait until March for Hamishak Corellia and then May for Children of the Jedi. So they were pumping out a lot of material mm-hmm. at this point. Um, we don't see that to the same extent nowadays, really. We see a lot of kind of one-off books now, and you will see maybe three or four a year. Um, but like Bantam is very was very kind of like blocks of books come out and it's just kind of it's impressive to see you know just the the speed that each piece was coming out because nowadays you know there's two years between each Thrawn book or two years between um uh the alphabet squadron book or whatever so it's impressive to see how fast they got each block out but also how little time there was between each block and to me that suggests that the way they probably were having authors write this is I'm sure uh, Anderson was writing the Jedi Academy trilogy probably while the Corellian trilogy was in its early stages, probably while the, uh, the Callista stuff was being worked on. So that kind of makes the connections even more impressive in my opinion. Mm. Yeah. Cause they were definitely very few of them were probably reading each other's work at that point. When it's still coming out, like Kevin J. Anderson probably was. James Lucino was reading all of it, but, but he wasn't involved yet. Uh, but uh, but yeah, so uh, I think James wasn't James Lucino writing source books at this point. Wasn't wouldn't he have been contributing to source books? Uh, I think he was, but he wasn't involved in the actual writing of the novels yet. That wasn't until yeah, no, no. yeah. Because he was like he was then put in charge of overseeing the New Jedi Order mm-hmm. series. Yeah, but uh, should we say what this book's about? Because we haven't really talked. <laughs> yeah, do you want to give a brief overview? 
All right, so some guy named Luke Skywalker is looking to restart the Jedi Order. And this book is where he's doing his Jedi search, where he's going to be searching for Jedi to restart the uh, the Academy. He finds his first two students here. Uh, we meet a third, even though we don't know it yet. Uh, well, I guess he does do the test on Kip towards the end, so uh, yeah. we can count that. Uh yeah. So this is the first book where we meet uh, big names in the New Jedi Order, like Gantoris and Streen, um, and also Kipturin, <laughs> less important. Uh, we learn how absent-minded Luke can be, uh, how bad he is at forward thinking. Mm-hmm. Um, Leia, how little Leia thinks of Han. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Han gets trapped on Kessel, and uh, there's some traveling without using light speed that was kind of kind of weird yeah so basically the way the book starts off is there's kind of two um plot threads at the beginning one is han trying to he basically it seems like he wants kessel to join the new republic which is weird because it's essentially like a crack den at this point (laughs) yeah spiders like (laughs) essentially a crack or like like a heroin lab um so it's a meth lab up, using slave labor, and they're yeah. very eager to get them to join the New Republic for some reason. Yeah. Um, they're like, Kessel refused to join us in the fight against the reborn Palpatine or Thrawn. Like, were you really expecting them to? <laughs> like, yeah. your, your uh, expectations of Kessel are a little out of whack. But that, that's one thing. And then, as Corey said, the Luke Skywalker looking to... It starts off with him basically going to the Senate which is very different. This The Senate itself is very different um, than how it's portrayed in the prequels. Him going to the Senate and uh, trying to get approval to basically restart the Jedi Order, which, although there are some... Uh, there, there is some concern because the galaxy has just been terrorized by both the reborn Palpatine, who many people basically see as a dark Jedi, and Jorah Sabayoth, who is the clone of a Jedi... There are a few people who are a little concerned, and Luke himself is pretty concerned too. But he's like, "Yeah, we'll figure it out." And then he too. proceeds to ignore every hint of anything related to the dark side that comes up in the next three books. Uh, pro book. tip: <laughs> He's like, a, the, like Gentorus is like talking about the dark man. I'm just like, nah. Luke, you should be asking about that. He's <laughs> like, let's let's go settle ourselves in this. <laughs> fucking ancient jungle world <laughs> yeah this is clearly a guy who um who is trying to kill luke who is having premonitions of what luke should recognize as being some sort of dark side intuition and like if i'm luke i just say hey you know what maybe not he's just clearly luke is the worst judge of character in this <laughs> you know what bud nah we're gonna go hang out on Yavin with some dark side ghosts, and that's where we're gonna have our academy. Also, what the hell happened to Cam Solusar? He's mentioned at the end, but like, like if I'm getting Jedi, like I'm just gonna probably pick Cam up first because, like, he's probably more of a Jedi than Luke, really, and he's like guaranteed to say yes. So yeah, yeah, like yeah. he knows so many people who are better options to start with. Yeah. And then maybe like when you have Corin and Cam mm-hmm. sit helping you set up on Yavin, 
then you can all bring some people together and it's not just you and these people who have like like stream streams fine no red oh, flags Jedi Prince Ken. okay well that isn't he dead i don't think he dies does he not die did i make I up him so. dying no i don't think so i think he just i think they just kind of leave him at the end <laughs> i i always kind of conflate him with dev so oh yeah jedi prince dev yeah and fun Luke, fact Luke's for everyone casualty. dev his name sounds like dead which he is so speaking of dead um we get a character called dak in this and every time i read his name i just thought of dak like luke's gunner and empire strikes back <laughs> and uh in Shadows of the or not Shadows of the Empire, in Rogue Squadron for the N64, one of the the cheat codes was Dead Deck. Huh. And I can't remember what that one did. I think it unlocked all ships. Maybe it was I don't know. But there was a code called Dead Deck. Because I remember my dad used to he'd come home from work and like this is before we had internet at home, so he would print off like gamecheats.com, like all the cheats for like Rogue Squadron or whatever game we were playing. Like Usually half of them would just be complete bullshit, but I still remember the ones for N64. There was like Farm Boy, which gave you the Millennium Falcon. There was Dead Dak. There was Chicken Walker, which let you play a level as an ATST, which probably should have just been like something they advertised in the game because it's pretty cool. Um, yeah. Sorry, a bit of a, bit of a rant there. And we've Maybe been doing such a good enough. job staying on topic for the previous 40 minutes of this podcast. <laughs> oh, geez, that long already. Yikes. Um, well, 20 minutes of news, 10 minutes, yeah. 15 minutes of talking about its importance within Star Trek. You, ha- you had gas stuff. beginning, which really delayed things, if I remember. You're fired. He's a gentleman. I mean, I mean gentleman, he's gassy. I just said he's a gentleman. <laughs> when they say gentleman, he's gassy. Uh, anyway, one thing I really like about this book is the the Coruscant stuff. Um, I I kind of just like Leia, like learning about Leia um, as a politician, kind of like just during ordinary times. But like I I wouldn't I wouldn't have minded a a story or a short story just about like you know something like that without you know action focused. Um, yeah, I thought it was cool. I thought it was cool seeing like how our day to day works and stuff. Um, that has yeah. to be one of the most common B plots in all Star Wars books. It's yeah. Leia dealing with something political. Mm-hmm. It's not even anything like in this one. It's just like vaguely political, except for the meeting with the uh, the representative from Carita. A lot of Carita uh, ties in this. I hope nothing bad happens to Carita because I think it'll be fine. <laughs> yeah. Um, like they, he threw that drink in Mom Mothma's face. That'll be. An I'm sure it was just a drink. Yeah. yeah, she'll be fine. Karita will be fine. Uh, yeah, it'll it'll all be fine. Yeah. Um, speaking of Coruscant, it's kind of cool that we see the uh, the construction droids from the X-wing. Uh, yeah, the X-wing novels. Um, I don't know. Like, I like all of that. It's it's cool that like. Coruscant is actually, you know, having to recover from it. I like how we find that like ancient, uh, not, that's not ancient, but the hidden imperial like, had like information center. Um, yeah, I don't know. 
Like they talk about uh, them salvaging ships up there and like they talk about the Coruscanti shipyards and stuff. And I don't know. I just think it's pretty cool. Yeah, I would. I'd forgotten that the Credans were not human. So did I. I was a little. Yeah, because they it seems like they're basically humans, just like. Stockier, maybe? I don't, I don't know. It almost describes them as insectoid, doesn't it? Not like super insecty, but maybe I'm just thinking kind of insecty, of... but I always thought they were just like straight up humans. Well, I assume that too, but I guess I just thought that because why would they have a military academy on a planet that's not like humanocentric? And plus, isn't Creed in the core? Yeah. Um, so I kind of would ass- I assume that most core uh, planets are human because or that's basically how they usually are Corellia and, and um, Alderaan and whatnot. Yeah, that's usually the most prominent species, but then there's a few others that aren't fully human or aren't human yeah. at all or originally weren't even, human. Even Corellia, I guess. Yeah. It's like Duro <laughs> is yeah. close by. Then there's Alderaan is Killix initially. Um before they <laughs> like they just put humans everywhere though. But yeah. yeah. So we learn a few things about uh, how Jedi were seen at this point, uh, where there's a big emphasis on the fact that uh, Jedi are like hereditary, like force sensitivity is a hereditary yeah, trait. Yeah, it's weird. Uh, which we kind of know from the prequels, like it just pops up in anyone. But mm-hmm. in this period, especially, it just goes really heavily on like if your parents are Jedi, you're going to be a Jedi. If you have one parent's yeah. Jedi, you're going to be a Jedi. Like, mm-hmm. and that, that kind of sticks with everything throughout uh, Star Wars. But yeah. like, there's more emphasis on force sensitivity popping up in a family, but then it yeah, does seem like Saba and the other. Um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, but like, it's super common in all parts of star, like all periods of star Wars lore to have uh, two parents who are Jedi, have a Jedi kid, mm-hmm. but uh, the emphasis on the fact that your ancestry is how you find out how much force sensitivity you have. It almost treats it like, once again, to bring back the real topic of this podcast, Harry Potter, uh, where your wizarding ancestry leads into your force ancestry. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, of course, there are there's a lot that's like just radically different from the prequels because we didn't know how Jedi would work or how any that stuff would work. And yeah, this is probably one of the things that doesn't. I would say it doesn't hold up as well, um, like or as coherently. But I don't know. It's it's fine. Yeah, like every every Jedi we find in the New Jedi Order is like a descendant of a previous Jedi. So Anakin's mm. problem it really just highlights the fact that Anakin just needed to tell Obi Wan, "Hey," and there was actually a really good line in one of the Clone Wars episodes, but I won't spoil that. Let me let me lay his pipe, Obi Wan. That one. <laughs> Tell Padme I sell sail. <laughs> like the more we find out about other Star Wars lore outside of the movies, the more it just seems like just fucking tell Obi Wan and everything will be fine. Yeah. Well wasn't um Kiri Mundi was he the one that was allowed to uh, procreate? Yeah, I think it's either so him. No, it's him, not Plukoon. Or Kid You see a lot of like Syrian, isn't that what they're called? Um uh yes. You'd see a lot of them running around because if it was passed on, it's like in 20 years, the the Jedi Order is just a bunch of long boys. <laughs> <laughs> like Corin, 
his grandfather's Nisha. Yeah. Uh, Kyle Katarn Morgan. Yeah. Uh, then Cam Salazar, his dad was a Jedi Knight and he raised him and trained him. Like they're all Luke, obviously from Vader. That's probably where it all comes yeah. from. But then yeah, for that's because sure. people at that point didn't realize that it was such a big part of the story that Anakin had these kids in the first place. Yeah, exactly. Uh, um, yeah, I imagine like played out to its natural conclusion. It would just be the Jedi order would not, it would be overtaken by Jedi, which naturally give birth to a lot of babies like barabels it would just be like there's that arc in fate of the jedi where there's just like a barabel fuck dungeon in the bottom of the the uh jedi temple were like, were all of those saba's kids or were, was Saba's i know tessar was saba's yeah they were te- they were like tessar's kids oh okay yeah right I'm pretty I, sure anyway. I, I'm pretty sure they're Tessar's I think they kid. were nest... Like I wasn't sure if it was like Tessar was Saba's kid and then the rest were like Tessar's girlfriends, mates. Uh, it's been a while. I'm pretty sure that the kids are Tessar's because... Yeah. And then Hera, so they're like Saba's grandchild. Hera's the only one that survives of them through the Vong War, right? There's two other ones. Um, and they die on the Mercury oh mission. of the uh, that like fighter squadron, uh, like the they mean the Barabel like fighting group they have. Yeah, yeah, I think you're right. I think there's like three of them in that den that are like. It's been a while since I've read this part of Fate of the Jedi and or NJ, but I I think there's like three or four of them in the den, and there's just like eggs everywhere. Mm. Yeah, we'll, speaking of fuck dungeons, we'll, we'll get there. Yeah. Uh, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. But uh, but yeah, so there's another comment by Luke just in this early part when he's talking about uh, setting up the Jedi Order and Leia's talking about why Jason, Jaina, and Anakin are elsewhere. Um, mm-hmm. And Leia's explaining the reasons they're gone. Is During their first two years, Luke said, Jedi children were their most vulnerable. Any contact with the dark side could warp their minds and abilities for life. Like Bruh. Anakin was three inches away from Palpatine, <laughs> um, trying to possess him and going all like super dark side force ghost thingy. Yeah, I honestly just think Leia just like wanted to get fucked up on the weekends. She clearly <laughs> does. Like Jaina and Jason are back for like fifteen minutes, and Jaina cries once or something, yeah, and like, like, oh, what the fuck's wrong with this? One? Like, as an actual parent, like, I've got fucking no sympathy for Leia. She doesn't do anything. She's got, she's like, time to bathe the kid. Like, let the robot do it. That sounds smart. Let the thing made out of electricity and wires and shit. Bathe the children. (laughs) Bruh. Um, Yeah, she's got, like, absolutely no sympathy for the fact that Jaina and Jason are in this completely alien environment to them. They barely know Leia. And then Jaina just wants to put some damn bubble bath in. It's like, no, yeah. we do that later here. It's like, okay, you never had kids here, so. <laughs> but I got to say, I think that they really missed out on an opportunity in later books to touch on this kind of motherly connection that the kids have with Winter. Mm. Because, like, like, they see Winter as, as their mother, basically. Um, I think it would have been interesting thinking back if in legacy of the force, if Jason had killed winter 
I think that would have been yeah, that would have been interesting instead um, of Mara. Yeah, or an or in addition to. I don't Mara. think he needs to do both. I think it, he gets one. <laughs> okay, that's fair. Jason gets one major character murder. He already killed Pelion by proxy of Tahiri. Like, let's <laughs> almost not, killed Kyle. <laughs> let's not have Jason wipe out the entire cast of characters in Star Wars. Even though that could have brought very little happened afterwards. That could have brought Tycho in as well. Um, plus Winter, like Winter's a, a, I think she's a well liked character. I mean, she's a Timothy Zahn character. Um, oh, just, so you I just wanted Jason to kill all of Timothy Zahn's characters? Got it. All of oh Mara, yeah, Mara Winter, another uh, Thrawn clone. Yeah, <laughs> Thrawn clone walks in. Jason Solo. It's time to Talon card for some reason. <laughs> But yeah, I don't know. I just like Winter is always kind of in the background from this point on. And I think I don't know. I think she deserved better based on like how important she actually is to the solo family. And in yeah, and in uh, the Thrawn trilogy, they treat Winter basically like a member of the family. Yeah. Well, forget even just her importance to the solo family, her importance to the galaxy. She's yeah, for sure. like the she best the intelligence alliance, operative on either side of the war. Yeah. And it's like, Hey winter, you're on babysitting duty for 13 years now. Mm-hmm. Uh, then that's it. That's what we need for you. Have a nice life. Bye. And you know what else? The in legacy of the force, like a major, there is a, like a major plot about the solos being bad parents because even Jason and Jaina have that conversation. And I think Jaina thinks about it later as well. But like, the solo family being absent is a major plot. So yeah. I don't know. I just think Winter had a lot of potential of a character and I would have liked to see. But I mean, and she marries Tycho later on. So you can bring Tycho in, in as well. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, well, lost opportunity mm-hmm. there. Uh, yeah. Oh, I actually, I have a note for that page 148. Okay. Um, about like Leia's complaining that she's doing this all by herself when Winter is literally still there, or I think Winter was still there, but she also only has uh, Jane and Jason. She's getting three PO to do all the work, and Winter yeah. was literally left one hundred percent alone with Jaina, yeah. Jason, and and Anakin. And Anakin, like come on. Yeah. And they were probably making her do some dumb shit with her memory, like naming off all the droids that have ever walked through the Mos Eisley Cantina. And got kicked out by the bartender. Like, it's because she can. It's bad enough um, we've been practically non-existent as parents for the first two years of our lives, but he can't even spare time to greet Jason and Jaina when they finally come home. Yeah. Like, she, she's giving Han so little credit. <laughs> yeah, I think, well, part of it is just, in the book, does go there, is that she's trying to yeah, do whatever she can it. to rationalize the fact that Han is not dead. Mm-hmm. Which, just go after him. <laughs> Yeah. Send someone after him. Speaking of Han, one thing that I picked up on is Luke says it was only the love of Han and Leia that got him through his ordeal of being um, basically the new Darth Vader. Like, does he not remember how Han was acting in Dark Empire? He's like, Han like attacks Luke. Luke's like choking him. Even when like Luke does his like trick to help them escape this, he's like, I still don't trust that guy. Yeah, like, these are no all love. these are all just details, details. It's fine. I just think Luke's being very charitable to uh to Han. <laughs> yeah. Uh 
And oh, another Dark Empire reference that uh, I wrote down here is uh, when Lando shows up. So Han, as we met, I, I don't even know who we mentioned, but he's going to Kessel and he got shot down. So he's trapped mm-hmm. there. And mm-hmm. uh, Lando ends up going to Coruscant during yeah. the bits where Jason and Jane are coming back. So mm-hmm. Lando is between jobs. He lost uh, his, he lost Nicolon. He has nothing else going on right now. And uh, Leia offers him, well, just get your commission back. You and Wedge made uh, a great yeah. team on Calamari. So we do get that reference. I didn't reference even pick to, up on that. That's, that's, uh, that is a nice reference. To the World Devastators. And, even though uh, like he didn't do a good job. <laughs> no, R2 did a great job. Yeah, like all Lando did was like lose two Star Destroyers. <laughs> hey, Lando, remember that Star Destroyer fleet we had? It was great. <laughs> Should be fucking useful now, bud. Um, I, I do like, the, speaking of lost Star Destroyers, I like uh, Leia's like, I've got to call the uh, Ugnaught Commission about uh, s- scrap rights for the, all the ships, all the dead ships in orbit. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, that's something fun that like, I don't know, kind of. Again, just little things like that help make the references to previous works more than just lip service, I guess. Because mm-hmm. um, it's it's consistent, uh, which I like. Mm-hmm. So Han is on uh, is on Castle. He's yeah. he wakes up. He's in a cell, uh, mm-hmm. and he gets brought to talk to my duel. Um, <laughs> my duel. My skinnick snicks. <laughs> hey, let's be careful <laughs> but Morth is such an asshole he's the worst yeah so I'll, I'll lay it out basically Morth Duel is he's taking control of this mining facility on Kessel which by the way slight difference that some of you might know but some of you won't in canon Kessel's a full planet in legend it's more like a planetoid or like yeah, a very a big very asteroid large asteroid um it's like doesn't have atmosphere they're basically always pumping oxygen to try to f- make a fake atmosphere uh like kind of mild terraforming and it's just getting it's just getting worse and worse and worse but uh but anyway w- we also get more kessel and fate of the jedi too um when they go on like fly through anyway but um so morth duel is mad at han because han dumped a load of spice um, that was supposed to be delivered to Jabba the Hutt. Because the, he's being the famous episode four dumped spice. That's right. Because he was being chased by a couple of Star Destroyers. And then Jabba ended up punishing Morth Duel because he had already paid for the spice. But why were those Star Destroyers chasing Han? Because Morth Duel tipped off the Imperials. So it's like you're mad at Han because your plan was successful. Like. Yeah, well, he's also upset that Han is still alive and thinks Han knows that he's the one that did it and is more just afraid of getting caught in that. Uh, and he's kind of well, rationalizing that to Thrawn. Much, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And uh, so he's got his first hand or uh, right hand man, Skinnixnix. Skinksnicks? Skinksnicks. Skinksnicks? Whatever. Skinksnicks? He dies. I don't care. <laughs> he gets stabbed by a by a crack spider. So Isn't he in um what aren't they both in Wedge's Gamble? 
Uh, they're because aren't they both? I think Duel gets mentioned. I don't know if Skinksnix gets mentioned. Because that was one thing. Han, I I guess there might might have been an issue with communication, but Han is kind of surprised, isn't he, when Duel's in charge? But like, they should already know this because of Rogue Squadron working with. uh, Anyway, small detail, but yeah. But uh, Duel is disgusting for every possible reason. Uh, he proves himself here to be like just yeah. everyone knows he's in the wrong. Even the people on his side know he's just being like mm-hmm. petty. Uh, he's afraid of a new Republic task force coming uh, to re- to attack them. And Han's like, yeah, there wasn't going to be one. But now you've attacked me. There's going to be one. Yeah. Uh, and then he does have... Like, there's two other things that I just want to get out of the way right now because I don't want to talk mm-hmm. about them in depth. Uh, mm. He has what is essentially, or what is just a rape dungeon. Yeah. Uh, and then his Pretty kids good. from the rape dungeon, he get, he puts to use working on the spice. It's like spice processor. And then he murders the kids when they're starting to get old enough to take his place. So, yeah, and I, I think we're both of the agreement that, like, Star Wars is better when it doesn't... Like, Star Wars doesn't need to have rape or sexual assault in it. There's another instance of that in one of the uh, the Abelpina. Um, I think I, I sent this one to you, right? About uh, Chronal Black Hole, basically. I think so, yeah. Like, raping his daughter and stuff. Like, it's just, Star Wars is like, in my opinion, it's, you, you just don't, it's, it's not a proper universe to uh, deal with that kind of issues, in my opinion. And these aren't um, authors that are good at dealing with them. Right. And we, we also get it very... Another uh, story that does this is... Um, I think it's... What is it? Oh, Tales of the Moss Isley Cantina, um, where there's like some stuff with Leia when she's in Jabba's. It's just, it's just... I don't think it's a good medium, and it's never done with like the appropriate it's not handled in an appropriate way really and it's yeah. not here like it's this book is too light-hearted to deal with an issue like that yes people die and stuff but it's like people are killed by spiders it's just, it's just like to me it's like the same in um in new jedi order when anakin dies and han goes into like a deep depressive like alcoholic spiral and it like or sorry when, when chewie dies and takes it out on a sun. It's just really, really dark. And it's such a kind of tone shift that it's very, uh, it's just weird. I don't know. I think that was handled rel- like well enough that it doesn't bother me that it was there. I but I think fair. the way that like dual stuff here is handled is just mm-hmm. not fantastic. And then no, really uh, <laughs> later on you get, like more references to like Leia when she was Jabba's prisoner. It's like at least then I just had to sit there and be pretty. It's like come on, yeah. no one's yeah. This is really poorly handled. <laughs> like come on, yeah, yeah. We're we're in agreement on this. I think so. We'll just mention it and get. Uh, I mean, it's used to, and it, it is essentially just that whole scene is meant to show that's. That I almost said skinks next again. That Morth Duel's a bad guy, or that he's gross and stuff. And it does do that, but it doesn't. Just doesn't do it properly. 
Yeah. And we get enough of that when he's like eating the other bugs and they're like, the terror makes them taste better, which seems like a horrible <laughs> evolutionary trait to get. Yeah, true. Because uh, usually it's the reverse. Uh, mm-hmm. You don't want to evolve tasting better. Uh, yes. you, you try to evolve tasting as bad as possible, especially mm-hmm. if you're terrified. You, you really want, that's going to bring out the bad tastes. But, you know. Yeah. Uh, so Morthul sucks. What else does he do that sucky, though? Is there anything else? I think um, we just got the He's major. irrational. He's yeah, gross. He, and he's just. Like, there was a, there's a very clear out um, for Duel. Because he's kind of in the, put in the situation where he doesn't realize that Han is officially acting for the New Republic. So he shoots him down. They could have gotten out of that by just. It was a misunderstanding. Han didn't die. Chewie didn't die. Just let him go. Like, Han, I don't think, is a particularly vindictive person. Not um, for stuff done to him. If it had been right. done to, like, Leia or the kids, he probably would have been. Let's yeah. go shoot them. But because yeah. it was just him and Chewie. Like, he even basically said, like, yeah. Uh, yeah, just fix the Falcon. Let us go. And, like, we can have a conversation. But... It's like, let's just fucking kill them. Yeah. And at that point, like, Duel has to know there's going to be more New Republic people coming. But the thing that really, really does, like, really gets me about this is that mm-hmm. uh, Luke and Lando show up late. The way that Han, well, Han and Kip get out on their own. Uh, we'll have mm-hmm. to talk about Kip here, but this kind of yeah. connects well. Where uh, Luke and Lando come to Kessel uh, when Leia's worried about Han. And they pose as like and in lando's an investor and luke's his advisor they want to invest in the mining operation and they have five hundred thousand credits which to me doesn't seem like a huge amount to invest in a planetary mining operation <laughs> yeah for a galaxy-wide drug ring but whatever and uh like wants to be like equal partners and then duel is really drooling all over them but these are and then they do something really stupid where they're like oh we got you because they saw the falcon just go back and the mm-hmm. anyways uh they're the most famous people in the entire fucking that, galaxy. yeah like how do you <laughs> <laughs> this is so dumb especially for morth duel who, who knows, knows han. han yeah he should 100 percent know uh know who lando is like at the very least yeah like but they definitely... run in the same kind of circles but then luke is also super famous and you fucking know luke was wearing his stupid jedi robe holding his lightsaber the whole time <laughs> Don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. <laughs> like, Luke is a guy who goes and recruits Streen and Gantoris, goes back to Coruscant, tells Leia, hey, we'll go <laughs> get Han. And then Leia's like, what about those two? And Luke's like, you think of everything, don't you? Like, this is the whole <laughs> point of your life for the last six months, and you've forgotten it. Yeah. Fucking idiot. Yeah. Luke does not impress me in this book. No, I mean, he's such a dick. He's like, like... It's hard for Streen to leave his, like, Streen's a damaged character. He's, like, he's he doesn't like being around people. What's Luke do? He invites him to, <laughs> Coruscant, him to Coruscant and then just leaves. That's, like, if, like, your friend invites you over to your house, like, after school and, like, junior high and then, like, goes out with, like, his mom and you're just left to hang out, like, in his house. <laughs> Yeah, but also you're being shouted at like all the time. Um, well, the the, the stream scene. So uh, I 
well, yeah, we'll screw talking about it in order. But the uh, the screen scene, I didn't even take it as screen really agreeing to come and become a Jedi. Luke yeah. just asked, or he just asked Luke, like, can you if you can tell me how to get in tune with it, can you tell me how to shut them out as well? And mm-hmm. Luke says, that I can teach you. And it kind of cuts away. It's like, okay, is Strange just going to chill there? But like, no, Strange's coming too. Yeah, and I feel like Luke probably could have just like covered that shit on the drive back to Coruscant. Yeah. It's like, bro, just just, just, just put your fingers in your ears. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah. Well, uh, how strong does Strange really have to be that he's just like passively without any training? Like, we never really get much of Strange in the future, but it seems like that would be a like a particularly good skill for him. Uh, like maybe he's just overly sensitive to it, but you kind of get the the thing where like uh, Corin's family can't do telekinesis stuff. Like maybe mm-hmm. Streen is the reverse of that, but with uh, being an empath. And then it's just like, okay, Streen's the windy guy who shows up in the background of some pictures, but we never really worry about him too much yeah yeah he there is that one picture where he's like kind of fondling luke's shoulder <laughs> at mara's what at mara's funeral <laughs> yeah i actually really I like hear, that i heard you're single now <laughs> yeah um it is also pretty miraculous that like this is how luke is finding people he's like somebody on a shitty uh, abandoned thing on Bespin sometimes finds or what is it uh, can sense storms quicker than the machines yeah. it's like really like this is I mean I, don't know, I, I, I guess it makes sense there's some computer algorithms yeah he's so the way Luke finds them is he's got uh, R2 and 3PO basically looking through records finding anything that would be uh indicative of potential force sensitivity and luckily they also with the construction droids you're talking about uh mm-hmm. they've get into a building and find some stuff that the emperor used to track down jedi and force sensitivity uh which was a really really lucky break considering what luke wanted to do uh mm-hmm. so luke finds out that you can just like touch someone's forehead and it's like a reflex where he'll just get mm-hmm. kicked across the room depending on how strong they are but he's also got this mechanical thing uh so luke mm-hmm. goes to yolshaw to get Gantoris. Uh, mm-hmm. They've just been left on this kind of volcanic rock abandoned by the last few galactic governments. Uh, and in exchange for Gantoris, despite literally every misgiving in the world, Gantoris and Strine are the least enthusiastic Jedi you'll ever meet. Uh, yeah, well, Gantoris is like not only not enthusiastic, Luke scans him with that, sh- or actually that's Kippy scans him, but uh, Gantoris is like, kind of actively against it at the same time yeah <laughs> gantoris only goes because luke like wins a bet essentially and mm-hmm. he promises to help the the people of Eel Shaw. Mm-hmm. and he technically does but then that doesn't last uh the Eel Shaw people get transferred to dantooine by leia she gets wedge put on that job because it's more exciting than being in the coruscant under city mm-hmm. uh but yeah like uh Gantoris gets Luke to come hunt Moss with him. He tries to get Luke to like <laughs> shove his hand in a hole. He's looking at some different timings Wait, for what? Can geysers. You... Okay. <laughs> no, sorry. Luke puts his hand in the hole and there's a, a hot geyser comes out. What do you want from 
<laughs> yeah, those uh, those sweaty pipes—they uh, they're trouble. <laughs> oh man, we're never gonna get invited to Star Wars Celebration. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that'll be a very different episode. If we do. the coronavirus has given us the small pity of not being outright declined. <laughs> <laughs> but someone would have to watch the episodes to decline this like that's true yeah that's true <sighs> that's fine uh so yeah luke goes to get gantoris and Streen. we already covered Streen a bit gantoris he puts luke to some challenges involving mm-hmm. killing a giant lava demon worm um eventually they agree to go to coruscant and then luke ends up ditching them to go to castle uh lando while luke is off getting the other ones uh he's helping luke he's gonna hunt down a lead that 3po and r2 found uh mm-hmm. by it's it's a guy named timo timno or tim timo i think it's just timo i think it's timo isn't it yeah i think it's two it's M's, like the, it? uh what's it called from the last jedi um what's that planet called again um the horses? Why am I drawing a blank right now? Canto um, bite. Yeah, it's literally the Canto bite of this book, yeah. with like, with uh, races and all. It's kind of funny because for some reason, when I first saw the the Lost Jedi trailer that had Canto bite, I, I tweeted at Pablo Hidalgo and was like, "Hey, how come we couldn't get the uh, the blob racing instead of these horses?" He, he didn't respond, but yeah, that's why he set his Twitter to private. I almost called it his <laughs> Tinder. That's Charlie. Yeah. But yeah, the blob races are the one part of this book that you can basically skip because especially if you know going in that it's yeah. uh, that Timo is not a a Jedi, which you can kind of safely assume there's going to be one red herring. So I don't hate yeah. that it's there. It's just going no, in knowing I, that he's not a Jedi. I felt kind of like I actually think it's a pretty fun scene um, going to the planet. It's very like Star Warsy. Uh, there's lots of it's like unique. We get lots of um I don't know. It's just it's just interesting because it's like, for one thing, it's not uh, human centric. There's lots of aliens there, uh, and I also think the scene where um, Timo or his name's Dak, right? When he gets caught, yeah, um, he's so goddamn dramatic about having to go back to his. Uh, Can you kill his, me uh, instead? Is that an option? It's like his eyes like widened with terror. <laughs> like <laughs> the description of like going back to his uh, to his mistress. Uh, and this gets Lando rich again. That's where he gets his hundred thousand cre- or five hundred thousand credits plus the extra million credits uh, later that a private investigator who's very socially awkward hands him. Uh, yeah. Okay. Listen, if you're ever in a bar and Lando and fucking Han Solo ask you to sit down and have a drink with them, you do it. You do it. You do it every day. <laughs> if you, that's what. It's- Actually, no. I don't know if that's true because people who hang out with them tend to just die. Because we're expendable secondary characters. Yeah, that's, that's how that's how a scene would start that ends in our death. If we're hanging out with Lando and Han at a bar, but unless if we're the, the squibs book, or whatever they're called, yeah. Oh no, I, I guess you're right. At the end of the book, unless they're trying to do a cliffhanger before. There was a big. You're right. There was that big. Uh, that was at a restaurant though, with this with all the squibs. When they had that big shootout, is that mm-hmm. what you're talking about? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I guess if you're a Rin, it's safe. That's the only way. Yeah. 
do any of the Rins die? Because what's what's the the main one that like Droma. on Droma? Yeah, because I think Droma's fine the entire time. So. Yeah, he like survives despite like everyone else dying. Um, so if you're Droma, you have a drink with Han and Lando. If you're not Droma, probably don't. That's my advice. Justin apparently disagrees. Well, if it's the end of the book, you're fine. You don't know it's the end of the book yet, though, because you're still but getting you're giving them all the money. So, you know that it's like the happy ending. Mm, I don't buy it. Okay. I don't buy it. That's fine. That's fine. Don't buy it. All right. You be a loser then. I don't care. Yeah. That's what my channel's for. Yeah. It makes sense. Uh, but yeah, so Leia's convinced that Han or trying to convince other people that she's convinced that Han has just fallen in with his gambling buddies uh, mm-hmm. on Kessel, apparently. And so Luke and Lando go and check it out. But while they're going to check it out, Han and his new friend, Kip Durin, uh, <laughs> who is showing some force abilities, hinting at them, uh, who's actually trained by Vima Deboda. Yeah, that's super unnecessary. That, if she hadn't Aren't also she... disappeared again multiple times, yeah. I don't know how she got... Because she's hanging out in this area of space. Now is not that far from... I guess, yeah. I guess I didn't think about that. Hmm. She's just traipsing around hut space, gets into jail, gets out of jail, yeah. goes back to Narshada. Yeah. So, you know, it it's fine. I thought she's it was just just fine. She's just, she just vib- vibing. Yeah. Because she just disappears after Dark Empire as well. You, she does what... Vimitabodo does what Vimitabodo wants. Yeah, we see her one last time and she's just gone. Yeah. Crimson Empire, looking old AF. But Han and Kip become fast friends in here. Uh, Han making Han tells Kip everything. Kip's family, uh, his parents were uh, political figures who opposed Palpatine, mm. got chucked into jail with their kids. Kip's mm. brother gets taken uh, and kind of brainwashed in the Imperial military. He'll show up a bit more. And then I, is he dead already, or does he find him and then? No, he, man, I'm pretty sure he dies. He when dies he, when Kip blows up yeah, the system. Up Korea, okay. I think, yeah. So I wasn't sure. Like I forgot if it was his death or something that really sets Kip off, and they try to no. But he sets off because they. I remember they put him on like a communicator once the once the missiles because they have like like t- twenty minutes after the uh, resonance torpedo has mm-hmm. been launched. Did you oh. know um, in the Empire Strikes Back when um, Yoda says? Uh, no, there is another. He's actually talking about Vima Deboda. <laughs> <laughs> what if Yoda and Vima had like a thing at some point? That'd be fucking nasty. Like in a good way, though. <laughs> <laughs> There's they just very they both look often sweaty, kind of little, little. She's dirty. just off screen every scene Yoda's in. That's why. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's why that's why he was like so he he kept Luke waiting to go into, into his hut. He was like playing dumb alien for a second. It was really good because like uh Vima had Vima to out walk of shame <laughs> back. <laughs> mm, cannot be seen with this wench. <laughs> wench. Yeah. Why does Yoda uh, say to, wench? I was trying to think of what Yoda would say, I don't know. <laughs> We're nine hundred years of you each hooking up Lower with Vima you <laughs> Lower your standards will be <laughs> like dust. It is. It was this or a hawk bat. <laughs> yeah, we're never going to Star Wars celebrate. <laughs> uh, this is terrible. 
But uh, but yeah, so so Kip, Dern, and Han are friends. Wait till you hear about Luke's final Jedi challenge. Talk about that one was off screen. <laughs> no, Luke was just pretending he didn't uh, know about Vima. Like when he hears about her from Leia, He's like, oh really? Ugly old Jedi lady, you say? Sweating profusely. But Luke is also uh, well. He's going to look for these people while Hans and Kip are in jail. Uh, Luke sets Leia a task of finding a a planet for uh, or just a place to have the Jedi Academy. And Leia's first thought is Dagobah. Honestly, I I get it. It's a, I I do get it. I I don't. I mean, Yoda was there. Yeah, because well, he was hiding there, and now it's notable oh, yeah, to them. Oh, yeah, she, doesn't, she doesn't know that, to be fair, because Luke explains it to her in, uh, in the Thrawn trilogy, remember? Mm-hmm. But, so, like, yeah, the, that's a good point. The, you don't want a bunch of people on. It's going to be really hard to get anything established there. Why not Dantooine? <laughs> Well, because now Gantoris's people are going there. But it's like 60 people. You could have just fucking nope, chucked them in the planet. basement somewhere. That's all you got room for. Yeah. They could just, uh, <laughs> Luke ends up in the Jedi Enclave from KOTOR. It's like a one, There's Dantooine has like one rec center. And it's like, okay, the Jedi Academy can be in the basement, but. <laughs> Was Luke aware of the dark side presence from the Misasi temples? I forget if he found out about that before or after Gantoris and yet. Kip no, both I, got I don't think possessed. So. But like no. even after the first sign of that, maybe take your young Jedi trainees away uh, and don't stay there because like Gantoris literally gets blown up, right? And then... Doesn't it catch fire? Yeah, Exar Kun explodes him. <laughs> and Yaim. then like Kip gets starts dealing with him after that, I'm pretty sure. And Luke is well aware of it by this point because Gantoris is a crispy Hulk. And mm. just... <laughs> I guess that's what happens. Well, yeah, he also like fights Kip, <laughs> like, and Kip's pretty good. Uh, isn't it Gantoris that he fights? Because Gantoris makes the like rainbow saber that the Extendo saber. I thought I thought he fights Kip before Kip leaves, but he might fight both. But I'm pretty sure he fights Gantoris because Gantoris tries to like yeah, challenge him for leadership right. after he made his lightsaber. Exar mm. Kun like showed him how to make the lightsaber, and it mm. was. The uh, one where yeah. like he's fighting Luke and then he presses a button or something and it goes longer and Luke is very surprised. <laughs> Whoa. It's like Luke's never read any of the Star Wars cross sections, all of which show a little extendo nom on every save. <laughs> no, I, mean, I, I think his gains an extra like foot or two. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, well, um Corrin Horn gets one like that in NJO. Um because he does that thing, remember, where he basically it can extend or turn off immediately, basically. Because mm. when he's in that duel, Shido uh, Shai, on yeah, Ethor. Shido Shai on Ethor, uh, he basically like makes him fall over and stabs yeah. him. <laughs> and it extends so far it cuts through Ethor entirely, and that's why Corin <laughs> blames himself for the next twenty years. <laughs> yeah, that that's why they had to be relocated. Mm-hmm. It's it's so funny how like they talk about like how sometimes Star Wars has a really difficult time relocating species like uh in the Thrawn trilogy okay just move them to 
Wayland. To Wayland. But, like, I guess to be fair, after the NJO, there's a lot of people looking for planets. But, like, yeah. the Athorians, I remember, like, they just don't get one. They just, like, they're just getting messed up. Yeah. Um, like, I mean, Dantuin the best was... planet that anyone found was Zonama Seacott for that. But, like, the Athorians would have loved Zonama Seacott. Yeah, they would have been perfect. Because they literally already have, like, spaceships with gardens in it. And this is, yeah. like that but even cooler <laughs> if there was one species in the galaxy that deserves onama seacott it was the athorians but yeah i just just like put them on pizzas athorians they look like mushrooms okay nice uh <laughs> cool <laughs> epic um well oh. i have a note here like there's a few points where Han in his conversations with Kip will just like mm-hmm. reference the Falcon or something. <laughs> Kip's got to be like, what the fuck is wrong with this guy? What is he talking about? <laughs> <laughs> they get in the, in the shuttle and Han's like, it's no Falcon, but it'll do like, why does he want to fly a bird? <laughs> That's true. You're going to feel a little bad for Kip too in this. Cause like he just gets fucked over so many times. Like Han, Kip and Chewie just have a terrible couple weeks. Yeah. No, this is the worst part. Is this is Kip's best week in years? <laughs> yeah, yeah. You gotta feel bad for Kip. I mean, I also think. Do you think that they intended Kip to be a bigger character, or that Kevin J. Anderson intended Kip to be a bigger character? Like at, at the end, especially where Luke does his uh, weird mind probe thing, and uh, Kip's is like super powerful. Uh. He's always one of the more prominent Jedi, so I don't know that he could have. I don't well, think he was intended to be much bigger than he was, because like if you he, were to if you were to list yeah. like all the Jedi Council members from the NJO, I think Kip, like Kip and Corin, Kip, Corin, and Kyle have Sava. the most name recognition aside from Luke and Mara, and then it's a then then it's a decent jump for like, uh, well you Cam also Tion, get um, Saba. And then a huge jump for like fucking Tristina Lobi and Octoramus. You're missing somebody very important who we're going to meet soon. One of your favorite Jedi, I thought. So, uh, Sokol? Yeah. I'd put her I'd in the she's one of the more. I okay. think she's below I, I Kip. Think... Yeah. Oh, definitely below Kip, Corrin, and, and Kyle. But... Kyle's is kind of unearned just because he's in some cool video games. Yeah. He doesn't do, he doesn't very do much anything in, in any books ever. He gets stabbed by Jason. Yeah. I was, when I was rereading Legacy of the Four, I thought, I was like, holy shit, Kyle's dead. Cause like, I was like, did this happen? And I didn't remember. Cause he gets stabbed like through the, the heart, basically. Yeah, he's fine. I'm like, oh, I was like, that's really cool. Like, he actually, cause he, Jason just kicks Kyle's ass in a fight. And I'm like, oh my God, like, that's cool, but uh, like, okay, he survived. I was like, how did I forget about that? <laughs> Is that the same fight that like Octoramus loses all of her limbs as well? No. Um... Or is it Tracina? No, I think it's Octa. But like, doesn't Octoramus lose her limbs to that torture guy? I don't. I thought there was a fight. Uh... There's a fight on Chorus. It's on Coruscant that uh, it's like an assassination attempt. Yeah, but I I think I thought it was the the same fight that Kyle got fucked up. There was like two or three Jedi Masters, and yeah, there is. like it seems like all of them die, but then only one does. 
If that. Uh, let's see. I just remember it's like an assassination. Undercity ambush. That's the Wikipedia. Uh, so it's, oh, it's it's Valenhorn, Kyle Katarn. Uh, <laughs> casualties. Thin Mithric. Katarn's chest impaled. <laughs> <laughs> is that not a casualty it makes kyle a casualty but it doesn't it isn't a case kyle's chest isn't a casualty uh well, wait, no, Justina lobby's the one who's decapitated oh she she's by de- uh lumaya Oh Remember? yeah, okay, right, right. You're thinking of um Is it the Soul Usars that are like no, it's um No, Cam and Tion get like super fucked up on Yavin. But Okay, so yeah, I was thinking of Cam and Tion then, okay. Yeah, I think there's some raid that happens. Jane is like off to the side for some reason. Uh Cam and Tion just get like absolutely annihilated by the Galactic Alliance Guard, I'm pretty sure. <laughs> And then Jaina comes out and deals with it. That's my vague recollection of that book. But, hmm. but yeah, I'm kind of excited to read that those books again. Yeah, I'm not lie. I've been I've really wanted to just read them on my own, but did, I don't should have do the time. Uh, the Fate of the Jedi. Yes, uh, you, you, you I forget you don't do audiobooks, but um, Fate of the Jedi audiobooks are really good. Even Legacy of the Force audio. I know we've talked about this briefly, but the Legacy of the Force audiobooks are really good because they're they are abridged but they're like abridged really, really well. Mm. Like they're like down to like two thirds of um, the ordinary length. And like, you don't miss very much. Um, so, so uh, Lumaya kills Trisina. Jason kills Mara. Yeah. And Saba kills Kent. That's the, <laughs> that's the kill count in Legacy of the Force. <laughs> uh, well, that's in oh, that's fate of the Jedi. Jedi. Never mind. I always and then like Saba also uh, murders Avaloth. <laughs> I'd say that's an even trade. The way she murders Avaloth is really funny too, because I'm pretty sure she like rips Avaloth's head open. Like she like, gr- I'm pretty sure she like grabs Avaloth's jaw and just like rips it off her head or something. Mm-hmm. Um, Saba like as much as Kip is kind of the. I'm not surprised that Kip got as notable as he did, but like mm-hmm. Sava, it's kind of funny just how prominent she becomes from how she gets introduced to. That's just Troy Denning, though. Yeah, but other it, other authors do kind of run with it. Like she she plays a decent role in NJO, and then a bigger role in Dark Nest with Troy, and mm-hmm. then really big role in Fate of the Jedi. Yeah, and I can't remember what how much she doesn't like you. Well, I guess Troy Denning is basically the entire last bit of Legends. That's why they call it the Denning verse, right? Hmm. Oh, wait. Someone says Saba bites Abeloth's neck and tears it. Okay, I was I was mistaken. Um, very different. <laughs> I just remember being very visceral. And it's like very surprising because I'm like, okay, they killed one of forms or something. Clearly, there's got to be like Jedi across the galaxy ready to strike. <laughs> no, that's just, that's just how Abeloth dies. <laughs> well, she's, she just gets gets basically like sent back to force prison. Yeah. Uh, but there was definitely going to be a Abeloth to electric boogaloo uh, series once they found the, well in like 10,000 years or more. So it's fine. I don't know because I think 
I I think that they were going to have the series of Luke finding the um oh Siri just got activated. I think they're going to have the series of Luke finding the dagger of Mortis or whatever. Yeah, um, which would have been cool. Uh, and then I think they would have somehow tried to deal with that. Maybe not though. Well, they uh, they basically they talk about with Abeloth how it's like uh, war makes her kind of get closer mm-hmm. to coming out, and then because there's so much war and like the more she comes out, the shorter between her being able to come back. Uh, mm-hmm. But I think you're missing the the biggest detail from that fight where she rips out Abeloth's neck, spits it off to the side, and then just says, so uncivilized. <laughs> Tastes like chicken. <laughs> yeah, I remember there's a, lot of, there's a lot of shit thrown in the last two Fate of the Jedi books, too, where it talks about, like, how once the ones are all dead, like, that kind of fucked things up a bit, too. Mm. Like, yeah. But that's we're so off topic. I don't even, yeah, I don't so, know how we got here. So well, uh, well, Luke and Le- Lando are going to rescue Han and Kip, who are doing fine getting out on their own. Uh, Leia gets a visit from Ambassador Fergan from Karita, uh, uh-huh. and real dickhead. It's kind of hard to talk about everything because the stories diverge from each other, and yeah. then they don't really reconnect that much in this book, except for yeah. Luke, Lando, Han, and Kip. Uh, mm-hmm. But Leia's dealing with the. Uh, with the ambassador, they're trying to get Karita into the fold, and Fergan's like, "Well, it remains to be seen how long your alliance, your rebellion's going to last." Like, okay, well, the empire's kind of gone, and it's like, you guys lasted years. nineteen years. Like, we're like a fifth of the way there. Like, let's not get too key. <laughs> yeah, it, it's actually seven years, so they're, right, they're over so a third of the way there. there. Yeah, yeah, like it, it, they'll be fine. Well, they yeah. won't be fine. We know they won't be fine, but. Yeah, <laughs> uh, we'll be fine, but also more realistically, no, we're not. Good job, Jagged Fell, for taking over the galaxy. So they 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 last what like twenty one years as a New Republic. I mean, GA lasts. I wouldn't call the Galactic Alliance taking over the New Republic because like, the GA was just the New Republic being yeah. more successful and taking in the rest of the galaxy. Because it's kind of institutionally, weird, it's just the New Republic, but with some other. Uh, autonomous regions within it. The weird thing about the GA is like, and that I think is a little inconsistent, is the degree to which the Empire is actually a part of it. Because sometimes it talks about the Empire being fully within the GA. Like, um, for a while they make, um, Pelion is like the, the chief of the military, and then other times the GA and the Empire are treated as two separate entities. Well, it's it's more of a confederation and mm-hmm. they do have differing amounts of uh, autonomy within it. But I don't think it's that inconsistent with how it's institutionally structured, just how mm-hmm. much uh, agency they're given within it. Because like the Hapen Royal, the Hapens are still within the Galactic Alliance, but the royal family is still in as in charge as it's ever been. It's just there in some way it's answerable just, to the GA because it's more of a military alliance with some sort of like institutional. It's just weird there, because the new Republic doesn't maintain sovereign um, or a semi-sovereign body like the empire yeah. does. Um, you know what I mean? Well, it's, it's kind of it, the closest real world comparison I can really think of would be the United Kingdom where like there's still the Scottish parliament, but there's not really an English parliament because that is just right. within okay. the UK. That makes parliament. sense. That makes sense. So um, what I'm saying is Scotland is the the, the imperial remnant of the UK. 
Yeah, okay. That's fair. Um, but, uh, yeah, so Fergan goes. He's basically a dick to everyone the whole time. And then uh, Leia's wondering why. Uh, is that what that's about? My note there. Uh, but so they have this reception. And mm-hmm. Fergan just says, I'm only here to pay homage to Palpatine right. and go to the Imperial Palace in his home. And uh, then I do go ahead. Sorry. No, no, sorry. Sorry. Go ahead. No, I, that gives me a chance to find what I'm looking for. So I was going to say, I don't know what they were thinking, to be honest, like Corita, it's like the Imperial institution. The empire is weakened, severely weakened now, but like, I don't, I don't know. I don't, I don't think it was reasonable for them to expect Korea to just join the new Republic. Um, yeah, I think it was a waste of time. Yeah, well, I mean, the, I think their point with it is that it is so important to the Empire and then just highlighting that, like, the Empire is gone. Like, there is no mm-hmm. Empire anymore. Uh, it's mm-hmm. just the Warlord. Because this is post-Dark Empire when it's all yeah. as splintered as it's ever going to be. Just in the core, really. Yeah, Dala hasn't even come back to reunite the Warlords and fuck with the Moff Council to the extent that it still exists. Uh, like, the Pentastar alignment's still there, but it's nothing. The yeah. There's still Dang, just those like, little bits in the northeastern corner where Zinj used to be that is now where like something resembling the Moff Council kind of exists. Oh really? And like the territory before uh Dal unites the warlords and Pelion brings in the the Panastar alignment is just a little bit of like it's like it, they're they're essentially gone. Yeah, well Pelion moves them out of the core to like the the outer rim. And well it, it, that's because Pelion takes over the Penistar alignment. That's what that territory becomes. Because the core is just military forces, really. There's not, they're not a government. Yeah. Because uh, there's, there's yeah, just I not guess, much going I guess on that's there. True. It's like well, they when, just, I guess they just make it, yeah. Yeah. It's basically the like remnants of Crimson Empire too. that are left. And that's, uh, is it Oslimpec? No. It's the Crimson some Empire Northern hasn't planets. been destroyed yet. Yeah, but like that's the territory that's left for the Empire. Oh, yeah. That's basically what the Empire would mean at this point. Right. Uh, and so Karita is clearly not going to go to that. Uh, mm-hmm. It's not until like Dala pulls in the Warlords and kind of combines that with uh, what's left of Karnor's territory that they're anything really. Uh, mm-hmm. So I think it makes sense that Leia, they're trying to make a push for Karita to be like, just fucking accept that this we need to move on with the galaxy. Mm-hmm. Join, we'll find some way to work out having you included. Uh, but clearly, Kareed is not ready for that. Uh, no. And he chucks his wine in Mon Mothma's face, which turns out to have little... Uh, yeah. Were they robots or were they microbes? I can't remember. Let's not spoil it, buddy. Oh, I guess that doesn't actually happen. In this Kip Duron did nothing wrong. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> did nothing wrong. <laughs> when Kip Duron's flying around in the... In the uh... In the gal, I almost said galaxy gun. Uh, when he's when he's flying around in the uh, world devastator, uh, no, but I, I like when I when I see him targeting the empire, I'm just like, just do it, like, just, just fucking get it over with. <laughs> yeah, but that's why I wouldn't be a Jedi. <laughs> <laughs> well, <laughs> Kip Durin becomes a Jedi master, so pretty edgy, edgy one too. But uh, so, yeah, Han and Kip, uh, they end up going on. Uh, 
and Chewie. Han, Kip, Chewie, and uh, what's the other guy's name? They get a random other guy who you just know is going to die immediately when they're going into the oh, mines. I can't even remember. Uh, I actually missed his death, and then I was like, oh, where'd he go? And then I went back a few pages, and oh, there he is. He got stabbed by a spider. But mm-hmm. uh, it was biological. Okay. Thank you, Jason. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the... Yeah, they, they have this new vein that Duel and uh, their whole organization is trying to mine, but they people keep going missing. They're not sure why, so they're going to go check it out. Han, Kip, and Chewie volunteer. Uh, they go with Skinksnicks and uh, their other buddy whose name I forget. Mm-hmm. And uh, this is how they, they're able to make their break for it, where they, it's really weird because they're on the mining cart, Skinksnicks and the other guy get like stabbed by the spider. Han, Chewie, and the spider is what makes all the glitter stim. Mm-hmm. And uh, Han, Chewie, and Kip start going back to the base, get intercepted by people, head back to the spider, and then they leave. They're mm-hmm. able to jack the uh, the other shuttle. Mm-hmm. So then they fly into the maw with yeah at real um, speed or in real space. I guess the Maw is not very big. <laughs> yeah, it's like apparently literally right next to Kessel without posing a threat to Kessel. And they can fly there through the yeah. Maw entirely to the Maw installation. Um, yeah. <clears throat> yeah. Um, the Maw's weird too because they try to fit so much. I'm trying to see if there's a good map of it online because they do try to fit like a lot of stuff into this space because they've got like uh, sinkhole station as well too and Avalos planet just like kind of weird like it is it is a cool area of space but it is i don't know like i, I do find some inconsistencies when i go back um and and read it i guess yeah that was the kind of the weirdest part of the book to me but then i just started ignoring the the travel yeah. speeds and just went with it yeah um, they end up. Oh, go ahead. No, go ahead. Go ahead. I was just going to continue with the plot. So, oh, I was just going to say one thing that I picked up on when I was reading this. I guess is there's a moment where Kip looks at the moon around the maw, and he gets like this. He, like he says, he feels like nervous or something. Hmm. And um, I guess it's because there's a garrison there, but it's there's also Avaloth. well. <laughs> There is a scene in there's actually I think a really good very Lovecraftian scene sort of in Fate of the Jedi when uh, Alana is looking up at the moon although it's like partially destroyed I think she's like looking up at the moon and she kind of gets the same feeling um, and like she but it is Abwath for her it's not actually the moon where Abwath is it's like in the maw but uh I don't know, just kind of reminded me of that I guess I don't know if anyone else remembers that scene because they have they have a whole uh, for those who haven't read Fate of the Jedi, they go back to Kessel, and Lando actually owns it at this point, kind of like he says he wanted to. Uh, I don't remember what they're doing there. I think there's like something going on, um, or the planet is like being shook apart or something. Anyway, they get like all fighter pilots and they fly through there, and the spiders there and stuff. Um, but that's like uh, ends up being close to the Maw, so there's some. Uh, there's some shenanigans going on. Hmm. It's was the 
So Abeloth, the installation Abeloth was on, there was a few of them, right? Similar to the Maw installation that the Empire was using. So Abeloth is like on a planet surrounded by black holes, which is being like held shut by like sinkhole station, which is like a smaller Mm -hmm. center point from what I remember. Right. And then like the Maw installation, the Imperial one is like closer to the outer sides of it, which there's still more black holes around. Yeah. Like it seems like there's a few of these. Because I think they describe like where Abeloth is is kind of in the middle, but it's like a point where like it it seems like they find somewhere where all of the gravity from the black holes is like pulling equally. Mm-hmm. Um, but I mean, I think the the gravitational effects of black holes in this story are maybe a little yeah um, <laughs> under considered. Yeah. Oh well. Yeah. Uh, uh, but yeah. So they end up at the Ma installation. Uh, they're captured by Dalla's forces, who Dalla has been trapped here for over a decade now because she's unaware of what happened at Yavin. She knew the Death Star was being made. Uh, they end up interrogating Han, but aside from setting forth Dalla's plan to attack the galaxy with four Star Destroyers, uh, correction, three Star Destroyers, um, they... The main thing that really happens here is that aside from getting captured and finding out that there's the Sun Crusher, which they're going to steal, they meet uh, Kui Shush. I'm, Shush? Zux? They call Shux? it Kui Jukes in Jukes. the in novelization, but they also call it Palpatine, though. <laughs> I'll, I'll take Jukes. I won't tell, take Palpatine. Yeah. yeah. So. Yeah. Coruscant. So Kui Jukes is uh, apparently the the Orson Krennic of, uh, of legends where she's responsible for a lot of the design of, mm-hmm. um, the super weapons. So the death star world devastator, she's involved in those teams at least. Uh, yeah. and the sun crusher is kind of her major project now, um, mm-hmm. where she was captured by Tarkin raised to be this super smart scientist person. And I quite like that scene or the description of how Tarkin like, so what I forget what what exactly the name of her alien race is, but basically they have a lot of potential as children. So what Tarkin does is he takes a bunch of children from the planet Ten, I think, from different cities. Basically, he puts them in this like big uh, testing facility, and he parks his Victory Star Destroyer over the planet. And as people drop out because he's like feeding them full of knowledge, like people are literally dying from overworking and and whatnot and like having seizures and stuff. And if the, the person drops out, he bombards their city from orbit. Um, like he's very serious about, uh, mm-hmm. yeah, which I liked. I mean, Quijux is interesting because I think when you first, like she's full of shit for one, because she says that she doesn't understand what she, like she, she pretends that she doesn't know what she's doing. Like she designed the death star, but she thinks for that. It's for taking apart planets yet. It's filled with weapons, like not just the super laser, but also turbo lasers and stuff. Well, that also and, matches up with like the, the X wing thing where they got the museum and it's the, mm-hmm. the planet cracking uh, mining tool that mm-hmm. the benevolent emperor sacrifices himself to keep yeah. out of the hand of the rebels. So, but yeah, the but fact that her, the, yeah. well, even just how they get her to cooperate as bombarding all of her city all of her planet cities if they don't quite something well that's kind of what i mean like i like 
it kind of suggests later that she knows she's kind of lying to herself. Yeah. But then you understand how she was raised and like where she's never had a choice basically. And yeah. I don't know, you, you, you do feel more, you feel kind of bad for her. And then like when Han confronts her about the sun crusher, she's kind of admits to herself that, yeah, the sun crusher has no practical application really. Uh, like she can't even justify, like falsely justify it to herself. Yeah. Uh, yeah, she she comes up a, a decent bit in the future where she like she's romantically involved with Wedge for a while before Sile. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. Is, so. Isn't she killed at some point? Uh, I don't think she gets killed. Yeah, maybe not. For some reason, I thought she might have been involved in Alpha Blue, but that doesn't make sense. That's not true. Yeah. Okay. Who am I thinking of? Um you, she might. I no. I, I just checked. I just killed. checked the wiki, and she doesn't. I thought she like just retires. I don't think and... unless no, because there's something that happens to her where she just gets like super fucked up somehow, and then yeah, doesn't her brain get messed up or something? Yeah. Am I? And then I think she just retires. Or I think the wi- I think the Wikipedia retires. page is incomplete because I'm reading it. Doesn't she get like? I can't remember. I, I thought she got like mind fucked somehow. She does. Uh, but I don't remember how. Kip wipes her mind. No, she's not killed. Kip wipes her mind. Okay, that makes sense. Because like I'm reading the uh, Wikipedia page and yeah, whatever. But yeah, so this is where we meet Dalla. She starts forming her plan to uh, mm-hmm. to invade the galaxy. And we hear a bit about her background, where she was like. She'd make fake accounts to make suggestions and stuff uh, where she'd like pose as a male because as a woman, mm-hmm. she wasn't listened to. Uh, she was mm-hmm. passed over for other promotions. She does really well in simulations, but she's never actually been in a real combat situation is what we kind of find out. Yeah. Um, but Tarkin notices what she's doing and kind of takes her on as uh He's the one that is responsible for promoting her. He's also the one that sends her into the mall to lead these weapons installations or the weapons development, which apparently Palpatine doesn't even know about. Yeah, that's weird. I, I, I don't think, though, that Tarkin is doing that for any uh, like I don't, he's not doing that to betray Palpatine or anything. I don't think I th- I think it's just because he want and I think he just says he wants to take credit for it. Right. Yeah. Because, like, Palpatine's obviously aware of the Death Star. Like, it doesn't seem like Tarkin's trying to hide what is supposed to be the result. Like, what, at this point, yeah. Kevin Anderson is intending to be the results of the mm-hmm. uh, of the Maw installation. Because from this, it's supposed to be that the Death Star came from this because they have the Death Star prototype. Unless it's that the Death Star prototype got relocated there. But it didn't mm-hmm. have a hyperdrive at that point. Yeah. So that doesn't seem to be what Kevin Anderson was going for. No, I don't think so. But, uh, but yeah, so... Was Bevel do, le- mentioned? Sorry, in, go ahead. Was Bevel mentioned in the book, or he gets added? Yeah, later? because it talks about how she she studied under Bevel and right. Quijukes did. So, uh, I do like too how I remember the Imperial Sourcebook reference. They quote an exact uh, text from from Tar- the Tarkin Doctrine speech, and I was like, oh, that was pretty cool because it's straight out of the Imperial Sourcebook, which is like one of, if not the, like oldest really influential like star wars secondary sources hmm. it was like 89 i think and it introduced like 
interdictors, dreadnoughts, all that stuff. Uh, do you want to talk more about Dalin now, or would you rather wait until next time? I do want to talk a little bit about Dalin now, because there's a couple of things that... We've talked about this briefly on other episodes, but there's two things I don't like uh, about how they handle Dala. One, the relationship with Tarkin, I think, is unnecessary. They do the same thing um, with Isard and like some sort of implied relationship with Palpatine. Yeah. Um, another thing they do with women characters in Star Wars Legends, I always notice it, is whenever something frustrating happens, they're always crying or on the verge of tears. It happens with Leia all the time. And it doesn't fit Dalla's character for her to be crying, even when the, or holding back tears when the, what is the Gorgon? Not the Gorgon that pulls basilisk. up. Is it the, ba- the Basilisk. Um, and you never see that with like like Luke. Luke. Luke's a little bitch. Like if you've seen the original trilogy, you know this, but he's never like on the verge of crying when something happens, you know? It's just kind of a way that they, uh, yeah, it's just it's just lazy writing of a woman. Um, and you see that a lot with Leia. I don't know if Mara, but definitely Leia and you and with uh, with Dala at least once so far in this trilogy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the. Dala even says she doesn't really have any political goals in this, so mm-hmm. it is kind of weird. Like I do like that in dark saber she ends up being the one to kind of bring the empire back together but it doesn't fit with there's a big jump between what you get with dala and dark saber and what we get with dala here because in mm-hmm. dark saber is where you get more of like the uh cold hard killer reuniting the empire you're all it's wasting just kind of reluctantly though yeah but in this it's like it feels very different mm, you're like right, right now she, she just, just wants like, to she destroy just wants to blow stuff up it's very emotionally charged yeah. uh whether that's anger or uh, it's frustration because she's been waiting so long yeah for nothing but the way she approaches it in dark saber is just so different yeah unless like oh, it's been a while since i've read dark saber but it doesn't it, she doesn't read the same way to me in those uh and especially here because it's like it's setting up her up where she thinks she's super competent but then uh she doesn't even know how to destroy a sun crusher so how good she can really be <laughs> Thing that literally no one can destroy. Yeah. I think we should have a more detailed discussion about the Sun. Oh, I'm like, going to complain a lot about the Sun Crusher today. Not today. I don't have time today. Yeah, because we I are mean, two hours deep in this, and I'm going to complain a lot about the Sun Crusher. Yeah, regarding the Sun Crusher, despite how much you try to explain phase shifted particles at, you know, whatever, it's just you, you can't make ships that can't be blown up because it's yeah, land. Running through the Star Destroyer is cool, but like having a ship that can't be—it's just like, yeah, you just know it's going to be handled in a, a BS way, basically. Um, yeah, yeah. Because then why, why not just make more of them? It's—it's right. it's a lot of the problems I have with the Zeiston, but even smaller and more overpowered. Yeah, the Sun Crusher um, is the only thing I dislike more than the Zeiston. Really? Hmm, okay. The reason that the Sun Crusher doesn't seem as bad or may not seem as bad on the face of it is because we only see one of them, mm-hmm. but prototype. And it doesn't seem yeah. like it would have been that difficult to manufacture. The missiles certainly weren't. Uh, no. So the spammable small ship that can blow up anything and is unable to be killed 
would have been a thing and in principle was a thing. It's just we don't see yeah. it. Whereas with the Zeistin, the first time we see it, there's 10 trillion of them. I also don't like um, the World Devastator research being attributed to Quijukes. Yeah. Because to me, that's something that would have been happening at Bis, like away. Like I always imagine when it comes to Dark Empire, Palpatine had this whole other kind of like setup. Um, like he, like I feel like this would have been because it was kind of his next evolution of the Empire. So I, I always imagined him, you know, having the research for like the Eclipse and the World Devastators and the the Tide Droids and the Shadow Droids and all of those things. I kind of imagined them being done on Bis top secret um but that's uh, not really important i guess it is the basic idea would just be that quijuk sent it out on like one of those probes that they were occasionally putting out and putin somehow got his hands on it yeah yeah it it is kind of hard to say like when certain things were set up on bis because mm -hmm. then you one of the things you really attribute as a bis project is the eclipse and then as we know from uh vaunted lore source empire war forces of corruption that was actually mm -hmm. built mostly at Kuat, then transferred over uh, when Tiber Zahn boarded it. Mm -hmm. So, you know. Yeah, I almost don't consider that canon. Well, you should because it is. I just don't think it fits well with... No, uh, it, it's canon. It, everything fits perfectly. Okay. Thank you. Okay. Yeah, okay. No, it's, it's perfect. But, but Lucius real, Malfoy think... ran a criminal underworld and... Lucius Malfoy. <laughs> do you, for real though, do you think that the events of of Force of Corruption fit well with everything else? No. Okay. It's that it's not headcanon to me. It was I getting like, brought more into other stuff. The further there in we is, got. Um there are references to the Zion Consortium. There's also a canon reference to the Zion Consortium. Oh, really? Um, probably one of the solo source books or something? Uh, I'm not sure where. I don't think it was a solo source book. It was one of the first novels that came out. Uh, referenced mm. it at some point. Maybe like Tarkin or something. And the... Like certain ships started to show up in other places. Like Dala's regular feet had... Fleet, not irregular feet. Uh, <laughs> Dala's regular feet had some of the... Uh, what are they called? Crusader gunships, I think it was? Yeah. Yeah, they did. And there, there was a few things where they just started showing up in other places, but, uh, but yeah, it was good. It was um, slowly coming in more. Yeah, I think I think Tyrazon is fine. It's just the being built at Kuat makes yeah. no sense, and it being stolen. I think there's some stuff in there's one source book or something that talks about the New Republic having run-ins with the Eclipse, perhaps before Dark Empire, uh, but it being basically like a ghost ship. I remember we thought it was a ghost ship until it opened fire. Yeah, basically. Um, no, that's a quote. Oh, what's what that I, from? I don't know what it's from, but we used it for something for the mod. Yeah, what was that? Um, um, also, Gus is crying. Can you take over for a few minutes? Yep. Because Kelsey's asleep. All right, sure. I'll be back in five. All right, so we go from... Like, when we're on Kessel, Han is basically the one filling them in on... Uh, what's been going on in the galaxy for the last 10 years. So I, I just wrote in my notes that Dal had just listened to Tap Calf because it's basically everything we talked about up till now where he tells them about... Uh, he I think he literally uses the words the truce at Bakura uh, 
or that's how the book describes it. And they like Dala finds out about Thrawn, finds out about Dark Empire. So she's the one that distributes that information to the rest of the base, but she leaves out the fact that they tortured Han to get it, uh, or at least leaves it out when telling it to the scientists. Uh, I'm not sure if it would have been the exact same thing with everyone else. Uh, but at least quite like, I'm not sure how they would have doctored the footage to make it look like he was fully cooperating and not being tortured in any way. So, eh. uh, but Dala just resolves that she is going to leave and do whatever damage she can to the known, to the new Republic. Uh, cause she says she's not like looking to reunite the empire. She's not looking for any of that. She's not going to rejoin with other Imperial forces, which is ultimately what she ends up doing. She's just out to cause as much damage as possible. And she doesn't do a great job with that. Uh, Quide changes her mind. She decides to help, uh, Han, Chewie, and Kip break out. And so they steal the Sun Crusher. Sun Crusher flies through the, uh, the bridge of the ship. But while they're doing this, Luke and Lando, uh, they're going through everything we talked about on Kessel. We already talked about it a bit towards the beginning of the podcast, but they're posing as the investors. Uh, they asked to do an inspection of the ships on the garrison moon of Kessel because there's... Uh, it's a it's a pretty reasonable fleet that Duel actually has because there's at least three Carrick cruisers and some other assortment of fighters and other ships. Uh, so like not a huge fleet, but it's, it's bigger than Bakura had which was one Carrick. So he's not doing too bad for himself. And it's kind of alluded to that this is why they think it's a, a reasonable thing to like go after him to, uh, to join the new Republic. Cause that is a sizable force for what they are. You get some of the issues with scale that star Wars often has with that. Uh, but no matter what paradigm you're in a criminal moon of smugglers and spice runners, having that situation is not bad. Uh, yeah, so when they're when they're investigating the Millennium Falcon, uh, as soon as Luke and Lando figure out that that is the Falcon, they just accuse him straight out of lying to them, and that just seems like a horrible way to play it, because you're you're surrounded by literally their entire military. You don't have access to the Lady Luck to leave. You don't know what they've done to the Falcon to modify it if it's still going to work, especially with the Falcon being as unreliable as it is without Han to look after it and Chewie to look after it. Um, so they decide that they're just going to call Duel out. Duel runs off the ship. So they try to steal the money and Falcon and leave, but then they realize that the Nava computer is, isn't there. So they're just kind of stuck and you get the exact same thing with, uh, flying the shuttle through the Maw where, uh, because there's no Nava computer, they're just literally flying at regular non-light speed travel speeds into the Maw and that are going to do the exact same thing, which just, that's, that is the part of the book that gets me the most, but it, it, eh, whatever. Luckily for them, Han and uh, Kip come out in the Sun Crusher at that point. So they're able to uh do a, a a joint jump back because the sun crusher hasn't have a computer they still have the hyperdrive in the millennium falcon they just can't make their own calculations 
Uh, so they, they're able to actually get home. Han finally sees his kids. There's not really much in there about the, uh, about the trip and Luke just tests Kip afterwards. Uh, so that kind of does it for the major plot points. Uh, there are a few other points that Justin and I can talk about when he gets back. I think I hear movement. I'm back now. Okay, yeah. cool. So I, I just quickly ran through the rest of the plots. So now we can just talk about whatever character cool. or whatever points we want to. Yeah, let me just check my notes. Sorry about that. Gus banged his head against the uh, crib. Not gonna be a not gonna be a bright child, I think, boys and girls. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> I wanted to mention earlier. Uh, I really like the sh- the scene where they go to the uh, the Cloud City ripoff. Um, I don't know. There's like a nice kind of atmosphere to it, literally and from a literary perspective. The Cloud City ripoff, like Strange Place, or yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, Tibinopolis. Yeah, <laughs> and I like at the end where like he's leaving and he's all sad because he's yeah. you know he's made a kind of existence, not really like a happy one, but he's dealing with his gifts and his curse, but. And then at the end, he's leaving, and all the uh, the birds are following him and like waving all the rocks. Nice. Luke gets a, a hint of what's to come with his grandson. <laughs> Just like, yeah. Well, I I like that. Yeah, that was that was good. Um, other than that, oh, at one point, I did have one. Every Star Wars book has to have one moment where I just roll my eyes with unnecessary references to the OT. Mm-hmm. This one was very very light in that. But at one point, uh, Kip says, I know this sounds like some hokey religion. I was like, what? <laughs> yeah, something we haven't talked about. Like, there wasn't actually as many of those references as no, other books have. So like, it, yeah. I'll, I'll allow it. Yeah. I'm just, there was no tap calf that I remember. No, there wasn't. No, no, no tap calf. But one thing with the, with the spice running and everything uh, mm-hmm. where Han is like clearly just a drug dealer based on this, uh, <laughs> especially with how potent that drug is. There's just the hand, like it's clearly a, a big moral issue for Han's character. Mm-hmm. And there's a, uh, Han and Lando are talking about it at the end mm-hmm. when Lando is talking about establishing uh control of Kessel to do the, the spice mining, and it's just it just feels like such a hand wave justification for me of like yeah uh, spice has plenty of good uses too you knew that Han or you wouldn't have been run run spice yourself in the old days it's like you were clearly running it as a drug for a drug lord for his drug lord empire for a bunch of yeah. other drug lords like come on like, come on yeah and going back to I mentioned this earlier the scene with uh, Boba Fett and Leia uh, where it's kind of like still Mormon Boba Fett like. I'm sorry, I, that's offensive probably to Mormons. But whereas it's it's very um, moral and uh, like Boba Fett used to have a very moral code uh, or sorry, a very strict moral code. And that's one of the reasons why he hates Han because he he does do spice uh, smuggling. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I, I think it's fair because it is a pretty, I mean, it's it's a pretty fucked up drug. Like Morth Duel is like reads minds and shit with it. Yeah. Um, which did you talk about that while I was gone? No. Yeah, that's I don't I don't like that. I guess you could say it's an enhancing his natural force abilities. That's what I read um, it as. 
yeah it's just it's too it's too dune like for me like mm-hmm. i just don't think it's like we already have spice like i don't know yeah well uh i guess they had been like trying to get him to do spices like a food additive rather than a drug but mm-hmm. then george lucas was like no it's a drug so yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah i love the spice minds of castle was just like it's just like where they get a all literal spice yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah. the time fields of Typhera. <laughs> the time fields <laughs> that's good I like that I like that <laughs> that's good <laughs> um <laughs> let's see if I had any any other notes uh we didn't talk skinks next died so this the spider's pretty creepy I will say I do like the scene where they're going into the um tunnels uh they do a good job of just making it seem like really awful pitch black you're basically on this like i kind of imagine it like a roller coaster like you just get like thrown down you can't see you're not really strapped in well these rock walls on either side of you and there's a fucking crack spider down there <laughs> fucking crack spiders <laughs> yeah it's a crack spider down there uh, <laughs> he's like you want to get out what comes in my web <laughs> Uh, oh, one thing I want to mention is those little glitter things. The uh, the little beings. The glitter bugs? Remember? Is that what they're... You no, know what I'm talking about, them. right? You know what I'm talking about, right? Those little things that just fly by. Um, in which part? When they're in the cave, there's like these okay. creatures. Yeah. Yeah. What do you think those are supposed to be? I didn't really think about it. You didn't think about it. Yeah, it's like a, a cave firefly. I don't know. But they like go through walls and shit. Oh. Nice. Let's see. What are they called? Chat, what are they called again? Um, oh. um, it's like, maybe that's just the whole Corleys? force connection there. Yeah, I don't know. It's just because they're, they're mentioned in. Um, they're mentioned in. Fate of the Jedi 2, but I can't remember if they... They're bedlam I don't know, they spirits? Just, the crack spiders prey. I don't know, they just seem not quite like they seem like there's something mm-hmm. going on there. You know? I don't know. Bogies, right? Yeah. Because like in the... In Fate of the Jedi, the bogies, like they do something... Uh, oh, wait, here we go. Han and... Uh, Right, because the bogies lead them to like these this equipment that like is celestial made. <laughs> so something going on there. Is that how they find the control room? Yeah, I think in so. uh, da, 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 Corellian trilogy, the kids. Sorry, in in the Corellian trilogy, no, because that's on center point. Yeah, I thought it just might have been in the same thing, but I'm probably thinking the other scene there. Yeah. Yeah, because because they do find that they're like transferring information. I think. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Very cool. Yeah. Basically, Foo Fighters. Yeah. Um, anything else you want to talk about, though? Uh, I think there was just one other reference that I wanted to talk about. Uh where they're talking about like the history of Mon Mothma 
and oh, yeah. like the the rise of the rebel alliance where it's just the political history of mon mothma and bail organa mm-hmm. where they try to point is like they were in conflict first but then they started working together uh where mm-hmm. bail was trying to be like working within the empire to reform stuff but like the the picture we get from like almost everything later including revenge of the sith is that they were kind of in lockstep opposing palpatine the entire time uh, so yeah. it's, not, it's not a huge change it's not irreconcilable it's just an interesting difference in how that kind of there is a bit of an out in the revenge of the sith novelization though because like bail organa specifically is like listen i might do some things yeah where like you might not think that i'm on your side but i'm just doing what i have to do to survive so maybe that's like what's going on yeah Um, like like, it's not a huge difference but like it just presents them as more uh not being on the same side until later instead of just uh, definitely a bit of a approaching uh, things differently inconsistency but I mean, they got most of it right, which, you know, pretty impressive given there wasn't a whole lot to go off of. No, there was basically Um, nothing. Yeah. I do like how, like, Garmbel Iblis, like, they kept, like, Garmbel Iblis uh, and I guess all the other Alliance founders, even, like, in the fourth, they kind of keep that same dynamic going, which I don't know, I thought was pretty cool. Well, everyone knows the tale of the, the main rebel leadership of... Uh, Garmbel Iblis, Mon Mothma, Bail Organa, and Starkiller. <laughs> I am kind of shocked that Garmbel Iblis hasn't... He would have been such an easy character to bring back in the can. Um, yeah, but I think he... Like, when you already have Saw Gerrera taking that role, he's yeah, a harder one to fit in because, like, he's the, the kid gloves version of the edginess that Saw Gerrera has. Mm-hmm. Where it's, it's harder to be, like, presenting those two sides as in there he's this third side where it's just mon mothma but slightly less mon mothma mm-hmm. or sagrera but less sagrera he was someone that uh i'd be cool with seeing him come in in another way uh using other aspects of his character but as far as using him as a foil for mon mothma which is all he could have done mm-hmm. so far uh mm-hmm. in the stories that they've done so far uh it we've already got that with saw so i don't i don't I've got a question for you how would you feel if they moved a bunch of the post-Endor characters of Legends, like, you know, Garmbel Iblis or Taloncard? How would you feel if they moved them now to... It's High Republic? The, no, the post-Episode 9, whatever pops up there. How would you feel about that? I'd be fine with that. Me too, I think. Like have it, or even just closer to the resistance stuff, where like yeah. the Talon Card character ends up being someone who kind of sm- was leading smuggling organizations throughout the First Order. Like I can yeah. see that being a thing. Yeah, that would be cool. I think. Um, I like when someone in the chat says, "I like when Kit blows up Karita and Garm is like L." <laughs> <laughs> I think that's it for me, though. Yeah. I think so we got a nice reference to a Lancer frigate, which I think you talked about. No, I just mentioned the the Carricks they had. And okay. There was the comparison to the Lancer there, I think. Mm-hmm. Oh, the last, the very last thing I want to say is there's a scene where they go into the head engineer's office and it talks about how he's got all these like failed Imperial projects or like or, like Imperial prototype super weapons and stuff as like on his shelves and stuff and. Um, Dala basically sees them as toys. That would have been a really cool, like, uh, hyperspace article or something. Just, like, mm-hmm. detailing all of them. 
Um, would have been fun. And then they could sell them as toys. Yeah. And but shall we move to, to the ranking? Uh, yeah, I don't know if we're going to do the specific rankings anymore because we're like 15 bucks deep now. And it, it was hard to keep track of it all. Okay, uh, But I can... We'll go to that page and we'll see if we want to change it at all. Uh, do you remember... Mm-hmm. I think we both put... Uh, last command first, or I put last command first. You put it after Plagueis, something like that. I, think I put Plagueis. I think I put. I, I think I put it first too. But I, I okay. Think, so yeah. this is accurate, other than not having last command. Uh, if you want to, oh, if you want to look at the stream there and see where you'd put. Okay. Um, for me, I think I would actually. This is tough. I think. Maybe right above Jedi Healer or above Iron Fist, perhaps. All right, so that really still like ends up in about your top half. Uh, I'm yeah. just going to describe it a little bit for the audio listeners yeah. who can't see this right now. But we've both got Plagueis uh, just under Last Command in the first lot, then basically the rest of the Thrawn trilogy. At the yeah. bottom, we've still got Trusa Bakura and Kratos. Uh, yeah. So you'd put it in around... I know, it's, it's hard because for me, this is like a really good one it's not excellent but to be fair for me up and besides for crydon's trap all of these fall there so yeah. it's like do i really like it more than wraith squadron probably not i guess but to put it at like 11th makes it feel kind of like i'm not giving it enough credit if you know what i mean mm-hmm. um i don't know maybe 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 above courtship, I guess. So yeah. right under Iron Fist, above courtship, maybe. I'm basically doing the same thing, where for you, right above uh, courtship makes it your new ninth place. Courtship's now ten. Then mm-hmm. you have Wraith Solo, Trusabagura, Kratos. Uh, I'm I am gonna put it eleventh, uh, okay. right above courtship, below Wedge's mm-hmm. Gamble, uh, mm-hmm. just ahead of Trusabagura and Kratos Chap. Yeah, I liked it significantly more than Courtship. And I think if I were redoing this list, I'd probably switch Courtship and Wraith Squadron. Hmm. I mean, you can. Yeah. Like, I can still keep track of it. It's just we probably won't do, like, a full rundown at the end of every episode. We'll just maybe yeah, keep a exactly. spreadsheet somewhere that people can access. We'll we'll probably we'll talk about that later. And yeah, the reason why people are date. saying, yeah, you've got two threes, the reasons for that is just because... That's, yeah, that's how I updated it when it was being added. Because last time this was added was Dark Force Rising. Yeah. Uh, but general thoughts for you, though, Corey, on the book? Uh, what did oh. you enjoy? What did you not? I, I really liked it other than like the blob racing I didn't like as much as you seem to. Uh, mm-hmm. And the only real quibble I had with the other stuff was the the lack of hyperspace, like the, the non-hyperspace travel. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was weird. But uh, other than that, I think it's a really fun one. Uh, yeah. It's... It's probably going to remain closer to the middle or bottom end of my overall rankings, honestly, but not out of dislike. There's just no parts mm. of it that stand out to me as like exceptional. Uh, like there's nothing that really That's sticks fair. with me from it. Mm-hmm. So we'll see how that goes. But we do have some. Yeah. For, for me, it's, it's similar. Um, I really like the stuff on Coruscant, especially. I really yeah. like the integration with the other EU stuff, but. Let's move on to some uh, emails. You want me to read the first one, Corey? Uh, sure. Uh, th- we did get we got a lot of emails this time, actually. So thank you all for your emails. 
Uh, there were a few just uh, thanking us for the podcast, so thank you guys for enjoying yeah. it. But we'll probably uh, try to just stick directly to the question parts of it because uh, yeah. there there and are a got... lot of long emails this week, which we love reading. But just yeah. for time, we probably won't read them all directly on the podcast. And where we've got so many, maybe we'll just not do chat questions today. Yeah, um, that might be for the best. So the first one is from Ian. Um, let's see. I'm looking forward to the which I've already read part of. Um, I'm curious about the ratings. Maybe I missed an announcement in the last few episodes about those. Uh, oh, yeah. So we yeah. didn't do ratings for the the comics just because they were too different. Um, and then the next one seems to be the next part of Ian's question is kind of about the Clone Wars stuff uh, retconned by the Clone Wars animated material um, and kind of just generally about how fans like to talk more about the post Endor stuff of legends. For me, that's really just because when the post Endor stuff was being written, I guess, I don't know. It's just kind of unique because like for the clone wars, it was kind of after star Wars revitalization. And I just think that alone kind of makes the stories a little less, not less notable, but just different, I guess. And growing up, I just like the post Endor stuff more. And mm-hmm. I like the post Endor in the New Republic more than the Clone Wars. So that's why for me, um, yeah. what, do, you, do you think there's any reason why the post-Return of the Jedi material is more loved uh, than some of the Clone Wars Legends content? Mm-hmm. Like, I, I think there's a few parts to that. Uh, part of it is uh, something that you actually did a video on with the last Thrawn book that came out, mm-hmm. where it's at a point where we kind of know what's going to happen, whereas with the post-Endor stuff, yes. it was creating the... The situations as it went you didn't really know what was going to happen and mm. especially with del rey when some of the stakes got raised as far as what they were willing to do with characters yeah. uh like there was still some of that in uh in the bantam era where they were setting up the jedi you didn't know what was going to happen with that palpatine did come back uh but with prequel books you kind of already had the major plot set out like you had episode two mm. you had episode three and then you were kind of filling in those gaps and as much as people may enjoy the clone war stories mm-hmm. uh it's it's not going to have the same impact because you have a shorter period of time uh, to sure cover a galactic war, but we know, know exactly where it's going to yeah. end. And you can kind of yeah. see the same thing where uh, books set between the original trilogy aren't the same thing. Whereas like if you want mm-hmm. your Clone Wars or Galactic Civil War experience for a lot of people, that's going to just mean watching those movies. But we didn't have that with post Endor. Yeah. And that's well said. Uh, yeah, I think that's I think that's the main reason. I don't think it's necessarily that like they're inherently better, just that mm-hmm. that is all you had at the time and that or worse. Uh that's yeah. all you had at the time and uh they were kind of setting up their own narratives rather than just filling in gaps. Yep. Okay, um the next question is from Mandalore. Uh he- or Tristan, he points out correctly. I never noticed this, but um, I started actually as two different colored eyes, which oh, probably speaks to the duality of her personality. We should <laughs> probably go back and read those books again because yes. I, I entirely missed that. But this is an interesting question. Um, well, there's two. One is why there's so much focus on Dala and I. It's honestly just probably a little bit of men writing female Star Wars characters. Uh, sorry, you cut out a little bit there, but you said uh, focus oh, on their hair. Right? Yeah, their hair. Um, because, yeah, they don't focus on men's hair like that. Again, it's probably just, you know, writing st- star women as a man. Like, you know, um, that'd be my guess. 
Uh, and the other question is, so there are lots of characters who are represented as great threats in mines, um, like Isard and Dala, but they probably don't really follow through with that. Um, my take on that is just the quality. I don't know. Like, I don't think Dala really gets a fair shake in this one because I don't think there was a whole lot she could do. But just yeah. generally, it, it's just Star Wars isn't super complex, I guess, in that aspect. Yeah. Um, like, Dala gets kind of success, more successful later on, where she ends up running mm-hmm. the Empire in the wake of what Jason's doing, or running the yeah. Galactic Alliance. Yeah. But the, I think part of it comes from the fact that they were villains, and villains in this era just couldn't be successful at much, because by the end of the series, nothing could really have changed. Mm-hmm. Like you get a little bit farther with individual goals. You could introduce a few characters here and there, but ultimately you can't kill off characters. You can't have the new Republic lose. Yeah. Uh, so de- especially with uh, Isard and with Dala, the stuff they're introduced in while they are the primary villains, there's a lot of other stuff going on uh, mm-hmm. that their storylines kind of just become secondary like Isard is only introduced relatively late as a character you don't see as much of her yeah uh so they don't have much room to be successful so as mm-hmm. much as the books want to like build them up to be a threat they have limited room to maneuver i think that's a big part of it yeah especially Isard. you're right because she is thrown back into we know exactly what happens with the new republic um because she comes in pre-thrawn but was written afterwards so there's only so much that she can do um but yeah, it, it's hard. It's hard to show a, a character who has to lose as being really intelligent unless there's somebody like Thrawn and them being intelligent is like the defining aspect of their character. Yeah. And like even with Thrawn, by the end, you were right back where you were when you started. It's just yep. in the Thrawn trilogy, there was so much more focus uh, on Thrawn as a character. Like you spend almost as much time with Thrawn as you do with anyone else. Mm-hmm. And in uh, at least so far in Jedi Search, you get. Uh, a couple chapters in the Maw installation, even then you're spending more time with uh, Kui. And mm-hmm. throughout the next bits, like the the main villain arc really does focus more on Exar Kun and then Dallas kind of like a B story the entire time. Yeah. And then she, she's pretty... She doesn't do so well later on either. Um, but yeah, let's, let's move on. Um, thank you for that email, Tristan. We got uh, Callum at... Is Han now the chosen one because he technically killed Palpatine? Well, bring you balance to the Force. So, no. Um, the problem with Dala, yeah. I mean, there's a bit of an issue with Dala being in the mall so long uh, and not having any contact with the outside. I guess, I mean, there's a big base there. So, in Star Wars, probably has some pretty impressive miniaturization technology. Yeah. It, um, yeah. I think the, the supplies are implied to be on the base rather than just what the Star Destroyers normally carry. Yeah. Cause... Yeah. And then finally, uh, if this was the movies, people would be complaining why ship has some sun crusher armor. Well, we complained about that as well. <laughs> uh, let's move on. We got an email from Gabe. Thank you for the podcast. Thank you very much, Gabe. Much appreciated, my dude. Um, Pumi asks, let's see. Just getting this email. I've read all of these when they came in, but I'm trying to pick up the questions from them. Uh, uh, I was wondering how the Jedi Knight games, especially Jedi Academy, do or do not correlate with uh, with the Jedi Academy trilogy. Maybe you can mm-hmm. touch on that a little bit. So, 
they're set typically a bit later. Like Outcast mm-hmm. is uh, around this time, I believe. No, Outcast would be it's after no, because Luke has around his this temple time, set yeah. up. And then, like that's a much closer time period to now, uh, or what the book presents as now. A little bit later, uh, mm-hmm. but it it fits in pretty much fine. Like Kyle's obviously not part of this yep. initial group, but. Yep. It's a, later enough that the fact that it's as established as it is makes sense. And the stuff with Jaden is, I think That's it's like after totally. 19. Yeah. So. Yeah, Jaden only gets really introduced in Fate of the Jedi, um, from what I remember. Yeah, so the they don't like have direct connections very much, but it is, there's nothing that conflicts. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's just the characters are fairly different so you can just imagine in the background some of the yeah. uh the, the only way it gets really dicey i think is with like the imperial remnant um yeah because it's kind of more like uh yeah like like the the imperial remnants that um usually are being messed with in the jedi knight games i, I feel like don't really correspond with the major imperial factions that we know exist otherwise um but i don't really see that as much of a problem to be honest yeah there's still more like independent cults and warlords and some loose connections to what at that point would be dallas slash pelions by Acad or yeah by academy at least mm-hmm. but uh but yeah because like i think there's got to be like a seven year difference between outcast and academy kyle's fully integrated into the Jedi order by the time of Academy again. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, it, there's not much overlap, but there's not any contradiction there. Yep. I think that's, I think that's a good, uh, a good way to put it, which is, which is fine when you're doing the lore. And I mean, we do have Mara Jade and, um, dark forces Two that Mara is in. I, Oh, the expansion. I can't remember. It's been so long. Uh, anyway, I think our final question of the day comes from Justin, uh, which is also my name. That's pretty cool. Um, would you say that the Rise of Skywalker's novelization has had a bit of an opposite reaction with Revenge of the Sith novelization for their respective movies? Or have the brighter spots been buried underneath all the hate? Okay, the, the main problem with this is, and I don't want to get too in-depth, because I, I, I did get sent the book. The book's not been released yet. I don't want to piss off Del Rey. Um, but the people who are complaining about the book have not read it. The book is only out for a few people, um, whether YouTubers or whoever videos detailing what happens in the book, that's not going to give you context. Um, so any reaction at this point is premature. I, I don't think the book is going to get a revenge of the Sith novelization reaction based on my reading of it. Um, that's not to say it's bad. It's just, that's a very, very high bar. And I do think there are brighter spots it's not even that they've, it's not even that they've been buried beneath all the hate uh, for the few bad parts. It's just that no one's read it yet. They've only, you know, they're only reacting to snippets. So that's the main issue. Mm-hmm. Anything you want to add to that? Uh, no, I'm not on their reading list, so I wasn't sent one. So I'm not. I've got nothing to add. It's fine. No, it's fine. It's fine though. It, it, it is fine. And if they listen to this podcast, it would make absolute sense why i wouldn't be sent anything <laughs> because we talk about the <laughs> wet gushing hole. yeah 
Yeah. Um, actually, there is something I do want to like the fan react like the fan reaction to Revenge of the Sith and to Rise of Skywalker was very different as well. Uh, Mm -hmm. As much as as the prequels weren't liked at the time, I think the general reaction to stuff that happened in Episode Three was both that it was expected and uh, generally positive as far as like moments go. So Mm -hmm. having a book that where you're starting with that and getting to just flesh out the parts of the prequels that people may have a problem with. Uh, mm-hmm. It's a bit of an easier place to start from. Whereas mm-hmm. with Rise of Skywalker, the while there were moments that people liked, there weren't. Like, it wasn't the same kind of reactions. Like, oh, the, we've all been looking forward to this fight between Anakin and Obi Wan for fucking forty years. We knew it was coming, uh, and uh, you don't just get to add context behind that. You kind of have to mm-hmm. explain like where Palpatine came from, like what's Palpatine's situation when like you're kind of saddled with uh, not just expanding on fun, but explaining to people why stuff that they don't think should have happened happened. Uh, Mm -hmm. So I do think it's a much more difficult position to be in. Um, Oh, it's a very difficult position. So it's not to me, it's not as comparable no matter what the reaction ends mm -hmm. up being to the book. Uh, And I don't think it, whether no matter how good it is, I don't think it's going to, be seen the same way as Revenge of the Sith, and I don't think it's really starting from the same point of comparison. Uh, but no, yeah, that's one hundred percent. That's one hundred percent right. Um, like Ray Carson had a, an unenviable task. Um, like there's, it would have been very difficult for her to make a story that, like, she couldn't make a story that would make people who are iffy about the movie love it more because yeah. you can't fix because the issues that people have with the rise of Skywalker can't be fixed by any sort context. of explanation. Yeah. yeah context like, in episode yeah. three, maybe you're thinking, Oh, I want to see more about like, how are the senators opposing them? How is Anakin feeling about talking to the Jedi council? But with episode nine, I feel like, uh, people were mostly coming out saying like, okay, explain to me how the fuck Palpatine is there. And, they're not looking as like, oh, explain to me how Palpatine is there. They're like, how is fucking Palpatine there? Mm-hmm. And there's not an explanation that they're going to be happy with. Mm-hmm. So the fact that the book is just, is like, give some of that information. It, it's still going to be kind of the same reaction. And I don't think it's. Yeah. Starting. No, from the I, same I, I agree. I agree completely. Um, I want to take a second. To thank everyone for the. I've gotten. Sure, you have too. Lots of positive feedback lately about the podcast. You guys are enjoying it. That's exactly what we're looking for. Uh, make sure you send us your emails, even if we don't read a specific question um, on the on the the podcast itself. Or if there's no question, just send it to us. We read every single one of them. Yeah, and that's um, tapcaftransmissions at gmail.com. Yeah, T A P C A F, no e. We're so we're so fucking stupid. <laughs> with that with that title. Like, why? What? What, <laughs> what were we thinking? Yeah. Well, we did the first video asking people to give us name suggestions. Remember? Yeah. So really, it's everyone else's fault. Mm-hmm. But oh well. Like I, I stuck with Thrawn's Revenge as a name for the mod for fourteen years of it, and we regretted it. But mm-hmm. we'll we'll push through. We'll make it work. I don't. I like the title. It's just not the most searchable because Tapcap is spelled two different ways. Yeah. So it, it's fine. We're fine. Everything's We're fine. fine here. How Everything's are you? Fine. Good. 
All right, guys, with that, I think we'll end the podcast. Thanks for watching. Next episode is Dark Apprentice, right? That's book yep. two? Yeah, Dark Apprentice. That will most likely be, barring uh, any crazy situations, um, the 26th of March. Yep. Yep. And we will be streaming as well. I'm going to try the new Call of Duty um, Battle Royale. We'll be streaming that on this channel. Uh, or, uh, no. Sorry, not this channel. His gaming channel. Corey we'll loses X two and Corey loses doing some battle royale Call of Duty. Yeah, sounds really bad, but it might be fun. <laughs> yeah, we'll see. All right, all right. Well, goodbye for me. Thanks for watching, everyone. Thanks for listening. Uh, at Tapcalf Podcast on Twitter. If you have other questions okay. or comments, tapcaftransmissions at gmail If you want to send in uh, some emails for next episode, either if you want to ask something about Jedi Search or if you have something about. Uh, Dark Apprentice, send those emails, make us feel validated as podcast hosts. Thanks for watching, and hope to see you next time. Good night. Goodbye.